Hello, everyone, and welcome back to At the Elephants. I am your host, Rob Morris. Delighted to have you with us. It's another great episode. We're just trucking along. This is a good one, actually. Um, this is a conversation with one of my very best friends. He was in my class, Mr. Stephen Lynch Friedrich. Um, Stephen lives out here in L.A. now. He used to live uh, in New York. He went there right after graduation. He is North Carolina born and raised. Um, but we talk about a lot. Uh, it's all over the place. Uh, it's very personal. Um, I, I really enjoyed recording this episode. Uh, getting a hold of Stephen can be tough. You know, he's elusive. Uh, he works a lot, and uh, he was recently in the uh, film Vice with uh, Christian Bale. Check him out on that. I think that just hit, uh, you know, Blu-ray not too long ago. So go check him out on that. He did a great job. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's a hardworking guy. He's doing stuff all the time. We talk about a bunch of different projects that he's done. Um, but we really got to the core of some of the stuff uh, in our friendship that I've always wanted to discuss. Uh, and this platform just kind of worked out to be the right environment, I think. So, um, yeah, it gets personal which is fun. We learn a lot about Steven. We learn a lot about uh, me. I have to say this, too. And he kind of commented on uh, one of the ways I reacted and kind of laugh. We, we have a moment where we sort of laugh about um, the way I do these interviews and, and how, I, how I talk to people, and it's, it's purely friendly. But it had me reflecting. I, I do talk a lot on this show for a show that's supposed to, like, profile other people. Uh, and that is fair. That is fair. But hey, that's what this fucking show is. All right. That's what that's clearly what I want to do. Uh, I think I'm a good listener. Try to get the I think I get some great conversations out of people. But yeah, I, I do love to share my anecdotes in response. And uh, that's a big part of what this show is. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, if you are enjoying it, please don't hesitate to give us that five star rating on uh, uh, Apple podcast itunes whatever you want to call it um you can also subscribe to uh this on podbean uh which is our main hosting platform if that's a thing that you do um but yeah a rating of five stars and a review is super helpful for this show it's super niche so anybody listening to this uh will find it more credible <laughs> to find it highly rated on the store so it helps us out uh yeah Follow me, Instagram, at Rob Morris Yo. Check out my website, robmorrisyo.com. These are the things. I don't say it very often, but every now and then i got to throw this stuff in there. Um, but otherwise, let's just get to it. Let's get to my excellent conversation uh, with Stephen Friedrich. Oh, I will say, we have a brief conversation uh, about uh, some magic mushrooms, and we allude to... Uh, a, well, we tell a story of a trip, our first trip, and then we allude to this much bigger story um, that we never get to because we simply talked for a long time and I had to cut it off. And we never got to the real mushroom story that I wanted to tell. So Stephen will be back on, I'm sure more than once, uh, and hopefully with our dear friend Wiley Gorn uh, to tell the story of the magic mushrooms in uh, upstate New York because that was, oof. Anyway, fantastic story. Enjoy this episode, Mr. Stephen Friedrich. 
Oh, and I should say I'm talking all NPR style because my dad's visiting from Texas and he's asleep on the couch. So, uh, you know, that's why you're getting a Democracy Now! version of At the Elephants. Just like you get into school and you're just like, money isn't a concept that really hits you hard because you got a you got a card that takes you to the the calf, mm. which is like bottomless food. Yeah. So you never go. But what, what if I can't eat today? Which is, at the age of twenty eight, what I wake up every morning <laughs> thinking. Now. Right. But yeah, no my. Both of my brothers, one's uh, had a, got a degree in mathematics and the other's an economic analyst, so they're really smart. Um, and both of them wrote essays, got scholarships, were like RAs and stuff, mm-hmm. and have both paid off their student loans. And, right. Um, and I, I, I still get like the, the wake-up call every month where I'm like, damn, like this is still, I mean like, you, I'm, I'm a huge proponent for if you signed off on paying for student loans or like signed up for student loans, like you you were you, you weren't drunk. Nobody held your hand and signed it. You, oh, for you read, sure. You were supposed to read what it said. Yeah, for sure. So like, it's your job to pay it off now. It sucks, but like nobody nobody hoodwinked you. They weren't just like, oop, it's gonna it's gonna be free. Maybe we'll forgive it later. No, it's like if you're gonna pay it. There's gonna be interest, mm-hmm. and hopefully, but where they get you is that. They catch you at the cusp, the beginning of your studying, where you're just like, oh, I'm going to learn so much here, and it's going to be great. And then you realize that you get in your way all four years. Right. So by the end, it's like, how much were you able to get out of your way? And now look at all this money you have to pay us if you didn't. Yeah, I had like a thousand thoughts while you were saying that, and I mostly, I'm, I completely agree with everything you said. One, one of the first things that I want to say because it ties into like alumni shit is I was talking to Andrew Jernigan or Ace Jernigan uh, years ago. He had been out of school for a little while, um, but was not like forever. It was like a few years. And one of the things that he came, he came back and man, I fucking love talking to that guy. And he always, we always end up having great conversations. Uh, I can't wait to get him on the show, but he, every now and then he said something like super profound to me and it like stuck with me for a long time. And one of them was, he said, school, no matter where you go, mm-hmm. he was like, whether it's acting school or just liberal arts or like whatever you go to do, pre-law, medical school, like a lot of what you get out of it, unless you actually do go somewhere that gives you a piece of paper that matters, like law school or something like that. Sure. But undergrad, it's like <clears throat> the only thing you can really measure, and you can't really measure it numerically or anything, but like the only thing that really mattered is when you get out is like how much did you grow up yeah he was like that's all that really matters he's like all the money you borrowed uh, everything that you did is like it was all so you could accelerate your growing up because we all leave otherwise we wouldn't need it like one way or another it can't just be learning because yeah. that should be and must be simpler and cheaper to do if that's all we were really doing but there is something 
it's the same thing that happened to us in middle school, right? That also happened to us in high school, which was a bunch of people much older than us saying, hey, learn this shit. Not just these numbers and dates and, and mm-hmm. ideas, but like the concept of learning and like how to remember to do the thing that you said you were going to do last week and all that kind of like learn this shit because eventually it will all bear down on you. And for a while it was like go to college as something extra. Like you did a lot sure. of schooling for a really long time and we've given you the basic shit and you're ready to be an adult now. But if you want to keep learning more stuff and maybe work in a more advanced field, go to college. And mm-hmm. then after a while it was like, no, that's the thing you have to do next. Yeah. And I think that is what is so interesting. So this is like the last thought I had about what you just said, which is I got into a debate at work like weeks ago at a TV job. Uh, I'm a pretty clear Bernie supporter, but I'm generally just a supporter of like, honestly, like Robin Hood economics when you have the most wealthy country sure. ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We're going to take some from the very top and distribute it back to people so that they can get a leg up. I believe in that. And it was strange that a bunch of people I was working with who work in television, which is often thought to be a very progressive liberal, you know, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood, yeah. like the most liberal place in the world, right? Well, it also has some of the wealthiest people. Sure. And it also has some of the uh, most like upper middle class, like upper, upper middle class, where it's like these people are bringing in crazy money. They're not in, like the top 1%, but they're, you know, which I think is like if you make over 400000 a year or something like that, you're automatic. You're in the top 1% of America if you make more than 400000 right. So, But these are people making like... 350 right you know like crazy money Ooh, they are not democratic socialists (laughs) no they don't want to give up any of that money that they make not at all and they certainly would be taxed not like bernie and warren want to tax the top one but they are for sure yeah yeah, they don't want to pay for health care for other people and they don't want to pay to erase our student debt which is a thing that's really popular right now and we got into this huge debate about it and one of the points that they came back on which is like the best point you could make against it, which is like what you just said. No one held a gun to your head right. and said you had to go do that. Right. I did feel kind of like I got perpetually tricked into thinking I had to go do something like that. And if I didn't go to one that was worth the money, it wouldn't be worth the time. Yeah. So it was like, oh, you should have just gone to like whatever state school. First of all, my state schools weren't that cheap. And second of all, even if you were in state in North Carolina, NCSA is a state school, yes, and it's an in-state tuition-based place. So, yes. like, even going there with in-state tuition still costs thousands of dollars oh, yeah. That's that what young happened people to me. don't have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Me and um, both of my brothers, we all went. My, my brother Michael went to UNC Asheville. My brother David went to UNC Greensboro. And then when it came time, because uh, I kind of got into acting uh, end of middle school, beginning of high school kind of thing, and it, it, I knew I liked it and I knew I was good at it. Uh, but then like junior year of high school rolled around and people were just like, so what colleges are you applying to? And I was like, Oh man, like that wasn't on the, I just didn't know what the next step was. And I knew there were colleges out there. I just didn't know Uh, all my friends who were a year or two above me had gotten accepted into these places, but I I had no idea how to prepare. How much public school did you go to? Zero. Zero percent. Zero percent. Uh, my, so you're my even less prepared. Yeah. 
Well, or yes, I was less prepared in the way that like nobody was handing out flyers in my hallway saying like you should come to our school. No, exactly. And I mean like you're not in class every day with 150 other no. people that are like I'm taking my SAT prep right. on this day right. and I'm doing this. I'm applying for these schools. Right. Oh my god, the essay for this place is so blah blah blah. It's like yeah. there's a limited amount of that. No, that's true. We had to take because um, I say that because I moved around a lot, so I didn't know a lot of people. And when I lived in different places, they did things at different times. Like, literally, they took SATs at, like, different is grades Is that why you never stuff. took the SAT? It's one of many reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because I moved. I lived in New York, and they hadn't taken it yet. Mm. And then I moved uh, in my at the end of my junior year mm-hmm. to Texas, and everybody had already taken it. And, and so it never, like, like came up as a thing that everybody was doing. So in order for me to have done it, I would have had to, like, make an independent effort gotcha. to like schedule myself during another blah 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 like you would which have is, had to do. What, is that we, what you did yeah we had to do that yeah um, to just like sign up on a random date to go take the sat because yeah. you needed to and we would get clumped in with like the kids who missed their school's day of sat so right. we would like, like go on like, like me a, yes for sure and it was hilarious i mean i because up until that point i had only seen like school desks you know so sitting in them it was it was charming to me it was something that i was like oh this is like it looks like the, the, in the movies like they actually sit at these things and then that's amazing yeah it was ridiculous i mean i was like i got in, in an argument with one of the teachers who had gotten you know wrangled into uh, running the sat thing on a saturday morning in whatever month it was so he didn't want to be there uh, and then I'm a kid, I was like wearing a ball cap and I didn't know that in public schools, they weren't big on wearing ball caps during tests for some reason, especially at this school. So, uh, I was wearing it in the or classroom in school at all, I guess. Most of the time when I was growing up, you can wear hats in school. Yeah. They can really I, see your, I, I don't no know what they want to see your idea eyes. What that's about. They're afraid of eyebrows, something. There's uh, all or sorts hiding of... like test. I, it, I don't know. Oh what, man. What? I could go on and on about all the weird <laughs> stuff that happens in public schools as far as like clothing rules and really? you're like wait why is this a thing see homeschooled if i was if you, i was in my pajamas until after i finished all my schooling for the day it was an average day right because also we could get it in it, it was it, it wasn't contingent on uh class blocks or set amount of times we were given a curriculum um a lot of times you know my mom would head off for like work in the morning and we would just self-teach and as long as we finished what was set to be done for the day and when I'm telling you the m- motivation of having video games to play at noon can make you get a whole day's worth of schoolwork done in 45 minutes. This is so interesting to me. So first of all, uh, I, I knew that about you. Um, it was not something I, I really had to dig. I didn't know. I think about that all the time because I did not know before I met you that people like you existed really. Oh, homeschoolers who aren't into, like, making acorn rings and hanging out in trees. <laughs> well, and that's fine, too. <laughs> like, that's not even what I thought. Okay. I wasn't even thinking, like, they're all hippies. I was legitimate. So I thought there was only two reasons why they homeschooled you. Um, either your family is, like, in a weird, like, cult situation mm-hmm. or, like, super religious and you're just worried that some non-religious teachings are going to get into your kid. Sure. So you're like, uh, evolution, all that. You know what? Just play it safe. You can fucking stay home. I'll tell you what the fucking deal is. Because that also sounds, like, in line with how they think about the world anyway, which sure. is, like, don't go out there and learn the shit. We know. Stay here. So here's Mama what's up. Best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
which you know fine to each i don't have a, i never had a problem with any of these things but this is just the only things i thought happened even in when i grew up there were no like private art schools or like private schools that weren't religious if you mm. went to private school your family was super fucking christian sure so like private school super christian homeschooled probably super christian maybe even something kind of weirder yeah or something like that or and this is the other thing I thought was the most common type of homeschooling, which is what was going on with my cousin, which is she didn't live in a really populated place, not like total country, but kind of country. Sure. And she had learning disabilities, like she had dyslexia and something, some other uh, issue. So it was just easier for them to be like, look, this isn't the best place for schools anyway. Like right. they don't have the most funding to make sure she gets special attention. Yes. So let's just take her out of school. We'll teach her, her shit. Yeah, and no one knows how to teach her better than us. So they think. Exactly right. <laughs> I um, mean, it, so my grandma taught her, which I think she did a great job. Okay. But shout out to grandma. Yeah, no, she did. She, I think she did a wonderful job. Um, my my cousin who tragically passed away many years ago, but she was one of the few people in our family that like was hardworking and like you know found a job and kept it and was like very responsible and stuff mm. like that. But the thing that I think is interesting uh, that you just mentioned is you kind of got to make your own schedule mm-hmm. because this is what I love. Uh, one of my favorite quotes ever is Denzel Washington said that he had a lot of jobs and he worked in an office and he also worked as a garbage man. And at the end of the day, he'd rather be the garbage man. And he said it was because when you're a garbage man, you have eight hours of work to do. If you get it done in five, you can go home. If you work at an office, you only have like five hours of work to do and you have to make it last eight. Yeah. It's excruciating. Yeah. He's like, I'll just rather be the garbage man. Let me decide how long it takes me to do this. And then when I've done the day's work, I'm fucking done. Yeah. And I'm going to head out. And it sounds like you were kind of programmed that way. If I had been, maybe I would have done better because that's, that's how I felt about school. It felt like an office job. I have to do this every day, all day, forever. Right. And it was like excruciating. Well, I think it, it set me up to um, to kind of be able to harness whatever sort of ADHD I do have and turn it into some kind of focused energy. Because instead of being plopped down in a chair and feel like the tremors through your body of just being like, I can't focus on this, I was able to, like my mom noticed from a very young age that I couldn't listen and I wouldn't retain information when she was teaching or someone was talking unless I was drawing at the same time so I was constantly I would just sit there as she read or we watched something or there was something going on and I just always had paper or a sketchbook or something so many public school teachers would be like put that down oh Oh, yeah you cannot pay attention while you're also doing that other thing your mom realized the exact opposite yes and uh I mean Dr. Rosenberg in school uh had Ellen she had little pieces of she would roll out pieces of paper on the desk yep. so mm-hmm. that you could draw on them um and it backfired and I like because <laughs> she was um very uh particular uh, in her way of teaching uh to be delicate and I would just draw all the time but it mainly it was you know the types of, of theaters she was talking about or stuff like that but if she was being exceptionally like herself one day, what which she mean? was, um, there was one. <laughs> this was the only time I walked out of a class. I, <laughs> I got to class and it was just like, we're all idiots. You know, no one wants to really listen to the, the what's the difference between Roman and Greek theater and not theater, but the physical 
theaters, what's the difference? For almost everybody, those liberal arts classes are a compromise. They're like, I really, you're like, I really need the fucking degree. And they're (laughs) like, all right, well, you got to get up and do like two hours of classes a day. And you're like, oh my God, fucking fine. Yeah. So that's how everybody feels. Yes. At eight o'clock in the morning. We had the Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes. And this is back when it was on a trimester system. Uh So we were just like, we had to crank through so much. And she was always just, (laughs) you could just, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, we found out the smartest kids were in that class. And it's because I think uh, those were the hour and a half long classes because they only had two classes. So they had to do three hours in two days. And we had the one hour class and it always takes five minutes to get the engine going and five minutes to wind down. So really you got 50 minutes over three days, uh, three days, you know, 50 minutes each. And nobody was showing up on time, including her sometimes. Um, so it was very hard to get it all together. And, uh, and I went to a high school that had 90 minute classes in block schedule. And then I went to another high school, two others that had 45 minute classes, uh, 50 minutes, I think on some days, Mm -hmm. or maybe it was like 50 minute classes. Uh, and it was garbage. (laughs) It was fully garbage to go to those short classes. No, you get nothing done. When I was a teacher, I was teaching 45 minute classes and it was like kids with learning disabilities. So with like attention problems, Uh I was like, you try to teach anybody, anything who has an attention problem in 45 minutes. Like, I, I don't even want to teach, like, people at work new things. <laughs> Let alone people you're supposed to be teaching. Yeah, and children. <laughs> like, yeah. like, Jesus Christ, yeah. try to teach anyone that short. And then I'd never had a 90-minute class until I got to that high school, which was my first high school. It's so like ninth grade. And I was like, oh, let's see. this is yeah, better. this is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's excruciating if sure. you don't like the class. Sure. Because it's like, oh, my God, these classes take forever. <laughs> but it's also great because if you have a – Tuesday, Thursday class. When you're done on Thursday, you're like, I'll see you in a fucking week, yeah, homie. Yeah. We've got so long until I'm back here. <laughs> yeah. You forget you're in that class. Absolutely. Yeah. I forgot what I learned Monday by Wednesday. And that was my fault. Because I and I genuinely think that Ellen passed me uh because she didn't want to see me again. And it was That's happened to me a lot for sure. <laughs> I know. I've looked back over the numbers and I'm like, this is just like, doesn't work no out. Way, no mm-hmm. way. How did I get two a 35 classes, and pass? Yeah, two classes I graduated high school with senior year. I'm like, no way. No, didn't One happen. of them was nice, and one of them just wanted to see me go. <laughs> I My mom made me send her uh, my grades at the, you know, uh, halfway part, halfway mark of every trimester and then the end. And uh, I always sent them to her an email that just said, I'm so sorry. Because I did good in the classes that were just electives you could just take, you know. But the academic requirements, I was... Uh, it just wasn't i just wasn't it, i wasn't engaged it was just all information yeah but at that you know at the midterm and the end of a term of a trimester we would um you get those blue books to do the test in and every time that i walked up to ellen's desk to hand in my blue book she would look at me and she'd go do you think you got it and i would go no <laughs> no i didn't ellen and she goes maybe next time and i was like i don't think so and after a year of theater history, this is my sixth book I hand into her. It's the end of the year. Everyone's checked out. And I hand it to her, and she goes, so, did you get it? And I went, yeah. And her whole face lit up. She goes, really? And I go, fuck no, man. She's like, ah, you get out of here. I was like, please pass me. Please pass me. You don't want to see me. You don't want to see me. I'd re- Ugh. It, was, I was, it, was just, it wasn't that I didn't care. It's that I just, like, 
didn't care. You know, right. like, yeah, of course. Not for the wrong reasons. I just didn't care for all the right reasons. Who gives a shit why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why do you feel like you Dionysus have to... was the Okay. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Did you remember? No. Okay, what's the difference? I don't know. She reminds <laughs> me of the chick from Monsters Inc. <laughs> Wizowski. Yeah. 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 It's just like But with like a carpal tunnel brace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it, you know what's really great about her, and I will go on and on because I don't, you know, she's taught there for a long time, but I don't know who who's listening to this who knows who the fuck we're talking about. But Ellen Rosenberger teaches in the liberal arts uh, department. She teaches theater history, mm-hmm. uh, amongst other things. And um, it's I fucking I love her because she's never been my teacher. Uh, so many people have so many crazy stories. She's such an eccentric person. Her character is crazy. Uh, but I really, really like her because I did like two different plays with her. Didn't she do uh, a train? Yeah. She did a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I directed, I directed her uh, in, in that Gurgis play. And then I was an AD and in Harper's ferry and she was in Harper's yeah. ferry and so she fucking killed it yeah killed it she's I was like if she's i didn't such know a great actress you as a teacher i'd right. love you as a person yeah and it's not and it's just because students are well you have a completely different relationship it's yeah. like that it's like your parents you yeah. know like you can't see them just as friends and people because I mean, it's like you have a total i mean you could be friends with your your parents but there's a limit to how far that can go because at the end of the day they have a different role in your life and you're you're responsible to them in a certain way, um, true. regardless, I think, of how your relationship is with them. Even if you, like, don't know your parents your whole life and you meet them later, uh, not that I would know what that's like. But I can't – I still can't imagine you would be able to erase the fact that it's your fucking parents. You can't just totally detach yeah. that. Yeah. And I think it's the same way with teachers. It's like once they're a teacher – I had teachers who were, like, great friends. From the back of my head, I'm still like, you're a grown-up, even once I became an adult. Like we're both adults. You're just like ten years older than me. Yeah. But they're but they're grown ups and I'm like the younger one. And I feel that more with people who've been my teachers than other people. That's true. I'm I'm it's weird because it, it kind of transitions over to like the professional acting world is you'll meet these incredible people who are writers or showrunners or directors or whatever, and then you form a personal relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And then you feel close. And then there's these weird moments where you can see <clears throat> there are some people who cross the streams while at work. Um, and then there are people who can't uncross the streams mm-hmm. outside of work mm-hmm. where there are some uh, directors that, you know, they'll be hanging out with the cast and the cast will treat them like a friend or a cast member will maybe cross a line into buddy buddy world and say something. And there's a moment there where it's like either you buckle down and you you stick to your guns and you say no like let's i'm not that to you i know we're close but it's not that or you can transcend into like this weird like there's just it's very fluid in how you have to pick the time and the place like on set being funny or uh, you know i try to keep the mood up but that can lead to derailing things so i constantly find myself having to just like censor a lot of the jokes or observations i have just because i'm like we need to stay on track because especially as you know with filming you just you know it's a 12 a.m call or 12 noon call and they think you're going to start filming at 12 30 and then it's 4 30 and um you're breaking for lunch and 
you haven't even said a word. Oh yeah, so. you got to hustle on a film set for sure. Yeah. Time is so valuable. But I think it's it's weird, right? I think you <laughs> No, no, no. I think you make a good Why are you laughing at me? No, I, I can see and I know you're thinking, <laughs> thinking ahead. Um because I know you so well cuz Rob yeah. and I go back back very far. Um and I know that it's not patronizing, but sometimes it's like, yeah, because, you know, it's, yeah, that's just, because I know you're thinking. Right. And I, it's beautiful, and I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do love listening to these because your your anecdotes, your five stories ahead in your brain of right. where you're picking up because you know where it's going and where you want to move because you're a good interviewer. Thank so you. So you know where you want to take things. But <laughs> there are moments where it's just like, yeah, yeah. And that's, I guess that was really painful for you. So you're, when you see pain in the world. Right, yeah. <laughs> There's a dismissive tone <laughs> where I'm like, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's me wanting to get the affirmation. I want you to be heard and I want you sure. to feel heard. And I want sure. you to know that I'm listening, even though I'm processing other information, uh -huh. but I get very impatient about having to communicate that to you. So when you get to the end of the bit that you're talking about that, I fully want to hear about and I am listening to. Yeah. 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 There is a moment of dialogue where I'm relating to what you said. Sure. I'm agreeing with what you said and it's a hundred percent genuine and authentic, but I'm impatient in that moment because I I do have something else I want to say. Right. So it comes off very like, oh yeah, wow, that's tough. <laughs> anyway, uh, are so, you the kind of guy who listens to a podcast at like one and a half speed? Where it no, has that option? God no. My dad, my what? dad once was like, yeah, you know, like it, they talk faster. Yeah, there's like, an option. It's like podcast. Gil it's like Gilmore Girls style. <laughs> you ever seen that show? No. That show is uh. That just goes to show, like, that you, there's a certain kind of girl you haven't dated. That all that mean, That's all that means. Because okay. I'm not, like, a diehard Gilmore Girls fan. Any guy who's seen that show is like, oh, yeah, I used to date this girl. I was a huge <laughs> fan of it. Um, she used and, to talk yeah, like, she, 300 words per well, second. Well, she used to make me watch it. Uh, and there are parts of that show that are not bad. It's funny. Melissa McCarthy's on that whole show. Uh, and she's kind of funny, but not like she became later. Uh, it's so weird to watch her on it. Um, but anyway, those scripts – there they you can go watch interviews about it their scripts are like you know how it's generally like a minute a page yeah. give or take when you get a, a tv script yeah they they don't follow that fucking rule and they don't care they talk so fast it's preposterous it's like one it's like of the aaron sorkin kind of writing kind of you have to you have to uh, uh, understand and appreciate that that's the style of the show in order to enjoy it or you'll tear it apart for not mm. making any sense mm. like i remember one of the first times i watched it with her was um, this chick picks up a phone, like a phone call, and she's like, uh, picks the phone up immediately, and this is like, you can't see me doing this, but like, uh, I pick up my phone and immediately they're like, hello, what? Well, no way. Well, that's impossible. Well, tell them we can't do it. All right, goodbye. Like leaving no room for the other for person. The actual to, other now I understand it's television. You can't leave huge sure. pauses for this massive monologue happening on the other side that right. you don't hear fair but i mean like if you were on the other side of this call you'd be like are you gonna let me fucking talk yeah that's a great bit the guy who's like hey sure yeah I, what are you i'm not what yeah it's Hello? like have you ever <laughs> called one of the gilmore girls on the phone <laughs> fuck yeah. dude like try Your to tell is, him one what are thing you, i can't meet me down all right fuck it no they just get broken insane. up with over that no i don't actually like that i don't like it when talking people, too fast yeah i which is probably ironic because i talk pretty fast and i talk too much but i man i yeah if it's too quick 
like sometimes a character on a, in a movie that's their bit like that's their gag is like hey my brain is like oh my god you have to stop like yeah it's like someone tapping their foot on the desk really yes. loud and fast to yeah. me that's just that's someone talking too fast i'm like i hear you fucking breathe well that was all the teachers my first year at school right for me. yeah you are that guy yeah i didn't well i was right pace yourself yeah uh i i remember they all had different ways of saying it tanya was very aware that i would just find it someday and she was just like you it's uh, okay like yeah take your time but you know whatever uh and then matt was uh was really like really saw the potential of if I just slowed down and let moments happen that acting could happen but I was just not shoehorning because that makes it sound like you're trying to make something fit it was like I was just grabbing whole loaves of bread and shoving them into like Pringles cans at like 40 miles an hour I was just that like sounds accurate. yeah <laughs> well I used to have a problem with Pringles but we won't get into that what Scony was the first one who actually sat me down and was just like literally just just one-on-one -on -one in his office which is like slow down first of all you're gonna hurt yourself and secondly or someone else yeah that happened yeah sorry becky yeah <laughs> um you're a hurricane I, I was i was i was i was you're the guy a tornado would, you're little yes the big <laughs> <laughs> okay i get that a lot uh and i remember it was it was third year we were outside of uh, the uh, uh, the pickle jar, and I had bought uh, a big uh, container of orange juice. And we were making a joke, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll just pour this all over myself." And I fake unscrewed the cap and like held it over my head. And you just went, "You've come so far. First year, you would have genuinely poured that orange juice all over yourself." Who said that? You. I did. Yeah. That sounds like obviously me. stuck with you. Yeah. Uh, but it stuck with me. It stuck with me. And now I'm, I mean, I'm what it's 2008. So I'm five years out of school yeah. and I'm still learning how to slow down and just kind of, I remember there are a bunch of thoughts I have from school yet. Yeah, um, I should be clear. I, I usually try to tell people, I want people to assume for the most part that I don't know that my guests, um, I'm acquainted obviously with everybody, but, sure. um, you know, I, at least their Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, but some people that I do have on this show are my very uh, good friends I've known for a long time, and you're one of them. So uh, full disclosure, um, we were in a band for a second. We were in a band. Um, one oh. of the one of the two bands I played in at school. Um, both Ring of covered Wait, the was fuck. It, it was uh, Young. Alberto Young and the Plantation of Flames. <laughs> I don't know what plantation came from. I mean, it was purely Brandon coming up with just ridiculous <laughs> shit. Well, he had that. He had that ability. Yeah. He would just turn and be like, hey, guys, I got an idea. Um, what if we all went on the roof and just built something? And we'd all yeah. be like, yeah, you're right. You're right. There's nothing else today. That sounds besides right. Besides that. That's pretty accurate. I'm sure he convinced you to park your moped out front to get it stolen. No, that wasn't his idea. That was <laughs> me being lazy. I didn't even chain it to the tree. Um, There's a lot of trust in oh, Morris' man. mind. Okay. So the thing I was going to say is we were talking about you being too fast and needing to breathe. I remember... Um, we, uh, you, Wiley Gorn and I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes when we were in college. Oh. And, uh, one of the times that we were hanging out doing exactly that, I remember being like, so where do you keep all the smoke? 
that is still inside of you. And you're like, what? I'm like, breathe it out. Like, it was so weird. Like, yeah. you would you would smoke the ci- – like, we would all smoke the cigarettes like um, human beings. <laughs> and then you would smoke – uh, tobacco cigarettes kind of like they were joints like drag it really hard like, like fucking smoke it like like oh man I'm on a two minute break when we weren't on anything <laughs> like that and it was like oh, I gotta smoke this really fast yeah and then you would exhale like 60% of the smoke and then start talking and then some more of the smoke would come out but not the other 40% and i would be like where is it all going you have to like breathe it, it all out yeah it and came then out in those eventually and i remember classes. like uh, yeah exactly i was like what happens if when you exhale i like shake your chest like a voice class thing and like so much more smoke came out and you're like oh my god like you're yeah. like i've been doing it wrong this whole time it was the first class that um mary was like all right now bend over and exhale and sh- you know and then you like hold and then go and pull it in yeah. and i remember everyone pulled in and was like and then it goes quiet and i was just like oh my god what she was just like what's up i was like i just have a cold because <laughs> we all hid from her like right. everybody was aware you know right. Bessa Mary you don't smoke around them right. Stoney would roll his eyes and just be like you idiots and then right. uh, I almost forget about that yeah it was well, I spent enough time hanging out with um, Henry Williamson that I had a very like I'm a fucking adult so uh <laughs> Don't you fucking tell me. <laughs> yeah, no, cigarettes were honestly. I, they were I, totally I, right. But I fooled myself into thinking, I if, if I am the one, like, they'd be like, you know there's a bad for you? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm an adult, and I'm inflicting, and nobody's going to fuck with me. I'm going to fuck with me. Exactly. So now I'm fucking with me, and you can't fuck with me. Right. And now I'm 28, and I'm just like, God, I wish I hadn't. Uh, you know, because in North Carolina, you walk down to the stab and grab, and it was like 250 for a pack. That's and what we called just... the convenience store. Oh, yeah. What was the actual name of the, the gas station there? Oh, I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> it was called the Stab and Grab. That's what the fuck it was. The Stab and Grab, Mystic. Then you had J&J's and um, the Washington Perk. Before J&J's was J&J's, it was just J's. <laughs> it was. There, then they another added J another came J. in and was like, I got this shit. They doubled up on the J. No, the the crazy story about Jay that I heard was because there was a guy who ran that store named Jay, and it was called fucking Jay's, and it made a lot of sense. Uh-huh. And then he used to take pictures with like disposable cameras uh-huh. of the students that would come in, not in a weird way, but like in a they weird. would come up to the counter and be like, "Here's my stuff." He'd be like, "Oh, you guys go to school yards?" Be like, "Yeah," and he would like take a picture and he put them up everywhere. So in the store, yeah, or like just like around town. No. What? No. Like, everywhere in the store, all over. The- so it was kind of like a thing to, like, make the wall at Jay's. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there would be people on the wall who were just at school a few years ago who are now are, like, a big deal. So it would be like, oh, hey, God, yeah, yeah, look, you, you might end up being somebody and I'll have your picture on the look wall. Look at this most thing. unflattering picture of this famous person. It was like, well, and it's funny because it was. it reminded me of uh, – you remember how like laundromats in New York would like put up fucking celebrities headshots yes. that they did their laundry? Yeah. It felt like that, but with children who weren't <laughs> famous. But Especially some of them might be later. Like it was a, a high real percentage stuck around and became Salemites, you know? It was it was a real lottery for him <laughs> to be like, Hey, I'm gonna roll up you know what? I'm gonna bet on 
all the horses. Uh, I'm sure the second Jay came in when he took over and he was like, are all these kids not able to shop here? Like, did everyone steal? Is this our wall of shame? Yeah, I'm not so sure that uh, he, the next guy was named Jay, but I totally understand what you're talking about. Wasn't the second Jay, like, even a totally different font? Like, it wasn't even the same. They just added Yeah, no, J. it was just a strange choice to keep the name of one of the, like, the Jay thing and yeah. then expand. I don't yeah. know. They didn't want to move in the phone book was what it was. For sure. They just stayed where they were. This is Jay's and Jay's, but... Um, Oh, I, I'm supposed to ask you where you're from. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. But we've been talking about you being from North Carolina. So you have that like this weird dual identity. Plot. Uh, yeah, no, I was born in Cleveland. And then my parents, who had grown up outside of Cleveland uh, in Berea, realized that they didn't have the best time growing up there. So why would they make their children not have the best time growing up there? So why Charlotte? Um, well, we moved to Buffalo for a year or two after that. New York? Um, yeah. And those were two of the three or four years straight that the Bills got to the Super Bowl and didn't win. And so they chased my father out with pitchforks and torches. Wow. Because uh, he was the only uh, reason. No. And then my dad got a job. How old were you when you were living in Buffalo? Two or three. Oh, baby boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The funniest part. Oh, my God. So, like, when I get you get a new survival job or something the first week is just chock full of people being like so where are you from and this one guy came up to me once and he's like so uh where are you originally from and i was like uh cleveland and before i could be like but i moved as a baby he was like oh man you ever go down to the flats on tuesdays and get some oysters and brews for like a buck 20 and i was like oh no 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 we moved when i was very young i actually grew up in north carolina he goes oh well you're not from cleveland and i was like oh, well, you don't know how to phrase a question because you said, where are you originally from? And then th for the rest of my time working at that place, which thankfully wasn't very long, his nickname for me was Not Cleveland. <laughs> and I was like, I've never burnt down a place, obviously. Right, 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 right. Especially right. with him inside of it. Right. But there were days. Right. We'll stop there. So I moved to, uh, after Buffalo, we moved to... Uh, well, no, Charlotte. I want to talk about no, no, that. No, 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 we'll keep moving. No, okay. I want to ask. No, no, in no. Charlotte, there's a lot. Of, no, I have Charlotte a thing. I don't give a shit. Charlotte, it was no, they're all great. great. But I want to ask this thing because what happened in that moment was you supreme, not meaning to, you supremely disappointed this man who was so excited <laughs> to get it, to be able to talk to someone from fucking Cleveland because he loves Cleveland so much and he loves other people from Cleveland so much. And he finally, He's where like, were you living when you did this in New York City? No, this was out here. This was in L.A. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You met someone He's in so L.A. who gets to home. talk to Cleveland about. Oh, my God. <laughs> finally. And then you're like. Oh, I, don't, oh I'm sorry. I couldn't tell you a street in Cleveland. Like, I don't know anything about it. And he's oh, like, man. fuck you, dude. Are you serious? You really we got me all hyped? We could have had all. This not Cleveland-ass <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. I totally understand where he's coming from. Because when people ask where – and this is a problem I face all the time. And I'm not – my issue is not even that different. Because first of all, where are you from? I'm from Texas. Conversation over. Yeah. Occasionally, sometimes people be like, what city? I'll say I was born in Dallas. I grew up in Austin. Pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. But people will still be like, oh, you're from Austin? Let me talk to you about a bunch of shit in that town that I get excited about that I can't wait to talk to somebody about. Uh -huh. And I'm like, no, I'm from there. Yeah. Which means I was never an adult there. Right. I left yeah. when I was still a child. I was like 17. Yeah. 
and then I went to another part of Texas for a couple years, and then I moved back, and then I left Texas forever when I was 19 years old. So I don't know what it's like to go drinking there. Yeah, no, asking someone who's It's like who's being moved, from Vegas. Is anyone from Vegas? Oh, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, Peyton is, isn't she? Yeah, yeah and I guess Megan true. Smith, and there's lots of people from Vegas. I'm not I'm not putting it down. It just doesn't but it's a sound... Weird, yeah, exactly. It's a weird place to be from right. because you're like, wow, all the stuff that's famous about the town you're from, you're not allowed to fucking do. Yeah. Until and yeah, that's how Austin is. Moving. There's cool parts of Austin, but the Austin is famous for being like a drinking town and a live music town. Sure. Neither of, of which it, you yeah. can fucking do when you're a child, unless you go to some outdoor festival. And then it's still like, uh, yeah. should children be here? No, that's a yeah. We, I, I'm one of my best friends growing up, Brandon. Uh, we would go and just like. I don't know. You're you're a teenager. You want to hang out. You know, it was those nights that. I thought didn't fit the profile of like high school nights, you know, hanging out at like a promenade somewhere and just like watching a fountain and smoking cigarettes. Like I was just like, you know, all the movies show these kids on bikes and they're running away from aliens. But like we weren't doing that. And, <laughs> and, and now I look back on it and I was like, I had some of the best nights of my life in North Carolina it's not cool enough to feel nice, but you're sitting near a fountain or a lake somewhere and it's like still 73, but there's a breeze and you're so just. So why do you even say anything about Cleveland to anyone? Like who gives a fuck? Why do you have any pride of, of being pride. from Cleveland? I don't know. I, you were you know, born there and you left. You it's know a long nothing play. about it. Like, it's a long joke that's going to pay off one day. If someone. This Super Bowl, if so, by the way. Oh my God. If someone. Happening. If someone is trying to connect with you, like mm-hmm. this guy was. Mm-hmm. Their best shot at doing that is you telling them you're from Charlotte because you could talk to them about being from there because you actually know what it's like. Or you could just say North Carolina because overall you could talk about fucking Greensboro, Charlotte, Winston, all these places that you grew up. Meanwhile, you Nobody told this. Nobody wants to talk. Everybody. No, here's the thing. You go, Dude, I'm you from North ne- Carolina. And they go, oh, gerrymandering. And I'm like, well, we got more. And they're like mild racism and pats on the back. Dude, like, oh, yeah, we got dude all I that. get that. I'm from Texas. But people don't always go, oh, Ted Cruz, huh? Like they don't. <laughs> they should. I agree. <laughs> and I'm so glad I don't have to wear him on my back all the time. He but would it, like it, though. Yeah, it's probably true. Could you imagine having Ted Cruz on your back? I think he looks like an evil Bill Engvall. And mm. I, I don't hear anyone else say that. I heard mm. the Kevin Malone thing and the Munster thing, Mm-mm. but I really think like it looks like it looks like you left Bill Engvall out in the sun, <laughs> and then dried him. And then they were like, "Here, okay, this is going back." So we were talking earlier about people not wa- agreeing with your political standings because sure. they make three fifty, whatever. Right, right, right. I think the problem is we focus on how much money people in the entertainment inter- industry make because they're out in front of you. Because you see the numbers of movies and you go, wow, that movie made billions. So he must be making millions. And Mm -hmm. that means that he should be into blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, but they also create and cultivate art and jobs that employ hundreds of thousands of people. Sure. The problem here is that I didn't know until within the last year or two how much politicians make and how much like – I not their salaries. No, what they make from lobbyists mm-hmm. and companies throwing money at them. Right. The net worth of like Mitch McConnell. Yep. Is baffling. His the wife's the uh, secretary of uh, fucking transportation. Is she? Yeah, Elaine Chow. Jeez. Well, here, let me look up Mitch McConnell's. 
net worth? Yeah. I can't imagine it's anything settling. It's got to be a very uncomfortable number. I mean, just it's what is more it? unsettling than looking Mostly at it. Mostly his his money is what oil. Is he like an oil guy? I don't I actually don't know. know who bought and paid for him. I just know he lost his shit so long ago. His 2015 net worth, his estimated net worth of $26,927,535, mm-hmm. which yeah. is why we get down to the single decimals. I don't know. But um, yeah, he's like, top of the top. And that's why when people are like, they're old, it's get like, out of it. It's like, no, they have, they've got deep roots yeah. that end in money pots. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now that, I mean, I am happy that there are senators and congressmen who want term limits on those kind of seats. Yeah. You know, if you are in this, you can't go back to that. Because all it does is, you know, anyone who leaves government and becomes a lobbyist, it's like, fuck you. Like, what are you, you're just feeding into. Well, and what's the difference between leaving to be a lobbyist for the NRA and leaving to be a contributor for MSNBC who goes on and talks shit every day? I mean, one of them's, in my opinion, way more harmful, but they're both like, you're just jumping lily pads that are out there, which is all we're fucking doing. Like, it's the same thing you're doing as yeah. an actor in a way. It's like, if you got some, let's say you get a fucking role in the next Marvel movie and it skyrockets you out, like, out of nowhere. Like, right. weird thing. Just like, oh my God, we want this guy it wouldn't be that weird. who's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's listening. It would be great, but it would be a little unexpected. Sure. Um, but let's say it happened. And then the next thing that they came to you and they were like, we want you to host this TV show that's like Love Island. And you're like, wow, that is that is not that is not the same. But literally no one else is calling for whatever reason. Yeah. It's like, what do you do? Do you just stop being an actor because you don't agree with the projects that are being the phone calls that are coming in? Or do you do? Yeah, there was a couple uh, I'm not saying I'm, I'm trying to excuse people from becoming lobbyists because I totally fucking don't think they should. And I like the idea of creating legislation sure. that keeps people from doing that. Sure. However, I'm also trying to be understanding of the problem of the fact that these are all people who are dealing with regular people shit and under similar circumstances that I've never been in. I imagine what I would do. And I'm like, fuck, because, man, I've worked on some TV shows I do not support the content of. I haven't had to go back to those in a while, which is great because I've been That's lucky. Fun. But if all of a sudden the ones that I like stopped calling and I fucking Real Housewives starts calling me again, mm-hmm. it's like, oh boy, am I really going to just leave L.A.? Or am I going to take the job that's like, well, we'll give you a pretty good rate to come do this. Sure. And it's like, uh. That's how I got into uh, the cartel. And I mean, in L.A., it's a little easier to step in. Uh, they're very accepting. New York, it was kind of a you know boys club. Uh, so you, it was like, can I come in? And they were like. What's the password? In Did you LA, say, can I come in? Are you at a door somewhere? Yeah, yeah. They have these big metal doors. Um, I just went around to a lot of metal doors. Most of the times, it was just an empty house. But there were a couple times where it was just like, forget about it, you know. Uh, but in L.A., they're, they're just like out in the open. So you just So this was in. an Italian cartel? Uh, 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 in New York? That's a little profiling. But they were just people. I, I, I liked to see them just as individuals who were trying to um, make the world a better place. Right. But, you know. I don't know. You're cartel blind. I'm very cartel blind. Yeah. <laughs> because I wear my ba- bandana uh, so low. Right. Yeah. But uh, I fit in pretty well out here. Um, so low, like, like a cholo? There you go, profiling again. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'll ever come back. Yeah. Well, it's been really it's great. Been good Thank to you have so you. Um, uh, yeah. I'm uh... <laughs> <laughs> fucking ridiculous. You know how long that would have gone on if I so just long. like let it? 
and 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 perpetually just been like no tell me more about this thing you're I making know, up i know this is supposed to be entertaining for i people. came here today with the like with this in mind i was like you don't have to say anything oh my god and here i am saying well, you have everything. to say something this is a audio show we could just sit here yeah i don't like that i feel like that's not blue apron a better way uh, no, i'm kidding um stop not until they pay for it <laughs> have you ever had blue apron though no neither have i what is that it's like they send you food Oh, like you sign. It's like a box of the month mm-hmm. club, but for it's what food? your mom when you're when your mom's worried about you and you haven't booked a job in a while. They sign you up for Blue Apron. <laughs> so like, but that's like if you have like a loving family. What's that? No, right, I'm kidding. Right, My right. family's the best. I can't. Right. I can't even make you jokes even about it because I have uh, the most incredible family anyone could ever ask for. Um, I don't think I've ever laid this story down, and I. It's a shame that we don't have Wiley here. Mm. But I thought it would be fun to talk about uh, our day in upstate New York. When we went to that, um, I don't know what you're... Other Dimension. Oh, yeah, right, right. That's yeah, what it yeah, was. yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, man, what a wonderful time. Um, I am so happy that uh, magic mushrooms are becoming more of a mainstream thing. They're, like, decriminalizing it in it's cities wonderful. all over the country. It's wonderful. When we did, I, <laughs> the first time we did shrooms... In the snow. In the cafeteria of NCSA. That's true. We put them in peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. No. You might. Uh, I did uh, like high C. I did it. You in, did. It was like yes. in uh, sugary yes. drink. Sorry. Yes, that's right. I put mine in a sandwich. Mine were ground up. Were they all ground up? I believe so. I think you ground them up. Didn't they, they were. Come yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have used my coffee grinder. Mm-hmm. So we ground them up and then split them up evenly. And then, yeah, I put mine in a drink. It was the most glorious day. It yeah. Had, it was the first, like, heavy snow of our first year. Mm-hmm. Magical things happened. We ran across people from other studios in the park who were yeah. snowboarding. Yeah. Um, was it Jared? Yeah, like Jared and yeah. Ryan. And then uh, after that, walking back to your place, we came across a car that had gone off the road and was stuck in a ditch. Right. And we all became superheroes yeah. in an instant. Yeah. Didn't say a word to them. They just had a, a cloud of five or six guys just walk up behind their car and push. And they thought they were, it was, it, the sun was going down. It was like five, six. We pushed their car out and they just like, we all just did like a silent hand in the air farewell. And they just drove. I, I don't know if they think about that to this day. I hope so. We certainly do, because not even uh, that is definitely part of the story that I always tell, which was like, no, it was fucking crazy because on a normal day, it's just this boring ass thing where we were walking down the street and this guy couldn't get his car out because it was snowing. And so we helped him push it out. Right. The end. But for us, we were tripping for the first time. So it was such a severe sensation. Yes. And we were only on like half doses, right? We were were on like a 16th or something. So it wasn't that much, but it was new to us, and it was like we were all wearing, like, sunglasses and hats <laughs> and, and goggles and stuff like that. Yeah. And so for us, it was so significant to be like, we are legitimate, like, community servants right oh, yeah. now. Like, like we are gonna, we're going to clean up this neighborhood. As a as a band of people, Mm -hmm. and it it, it, oh my god, we have purpose. But twenty eight year old me now, Mm -hmm. if I was stuck in the snow, right, I was sitting there on my phone just like trying to call someone because I couldn't get out, and I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw 
five guys walking up with goggles and like bandanas on and like jackets off even though it's like 20 degrees out i would i would call my wife and just be like which i don't have no we looked harmless did we i think so we were very giggly and we were like clearly... that's even more terrifying oh my god could oh, you imagine we were like <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna help you yeah and i we didn't all say like we were muppets i just said we, were, <laughs> we weren't cartoons we were just i thought we were no it yeah felt like we were no it did feel like we were cartoons. and then i don't know if you remember not 10 minutes later walking down the street we came across another car that couldn't get up their driveway because it was frozen mm-hmm. and we were all just like we got this we just did this and it didn't happen oh we so couldn't do it <laughs> yeah 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 and it almost ruined everybody's well, we trip. stopped doing the superhero thing for the rest of the yeah. day because yeah, we were like, like we're oh no we we're just got lucky once yeah. yeah we were like we were like the kind of people that like oh we're walking by this thing and it's yeah. as easy as flipping a switch to solve this problem one of the loveliest things that ever happened was because i know that house took so it cost so much to heat it the house that rob lived in was massive oh yeah and it was wide open floor plan so two story five bedroom house yeah thin walls no insulation so like it's like 112 years old yeah it was just a lot of like carpets over doorways that didn't have doors to keep it warm in the winter Mm -hmm. um and we got there and ryan came home and we were just like hey and he was like hey guys we're gonna turn on the heat and it was this beautiful like i think that was brandon's idea Okay, well, I don't want to give Ryan any credit when it's not his, you I'm know. Sorry. I mean, it could be. I thought it was because he came home later. We right. wanted to, but we were all awaiting the approval of Mr. Rowick. Oh, okay. If you're so sure, I believe I'm you. not. Doesn't You've instilled matter. a lot of. Anyways, we'll move on to the the major fun trip, which was later that year. I called somebody that day. Last thing about the snow day, uh-huh. I called one of my friends who'd done mushrooms many times, and I remember. I can't remember what my realization was in retrospect but i remember at the time being like i get it like i was like i understand like she for so many years was like it's great and you got to experience it for this reason uh uh, it's going to change your perspective on things and i called her and i was like done yep perspective changed oh my god i see things totally different well i'm just reading pete holmes's book Mm. how many sex god is it good oh if you can Get the audible. Uh, get him to read it to you for sure. It's in, cre- it's absolutely. I'm in a new uh, kind of early renaissance of my life, um, and it's going well. But I have a very open mind. Uh, things are. I used to be a very cynical, like uh, reached a very dark point where I didn't. I fought bouts of depression, which only exacerbates it. You know, so you find yourself just deeper. So the only thing that you're given when you're fighting depression is a shovel, and you think that you have to use it. When really it's just like, no, just hold on to the shovel. Because mm. if you use it, you're just going to go. And you're just going to go deeper and deeper and deeper. That's very interesting. So instead of trying to like wait for the rain and float out of it, I was just digging. And it, it ruined a lot of my uh, friendships and my own like auditions for a year there were just hard. Because I would go in and pretend to be something I'm not. Um, it ruined, yeah, it just ruined a lot. And so finally, you know, things pieced themselves together and I was like and so I've come into this point of my life where I'm I'm okay if something goes wrong now I used to hate going to the grocery store um walking like it was just like what's the point so I would just sit around a lot and if it's like if an audition isn't coming in or I'm not going to my shitty job that I hate then like why exert any energy 
but your body wants that. So I would get to 10, 11 o'clock at night, two in the morning and not be able to switch off because I hadn't done anything. Mm. So the only thing mm -hmm. I could do was self-medicate and mm -hmm. start drinking to put myself asleep. Yep. And it, and then that becomes a habit, a chemical habit. That's not even out of just like, I need this. It's yeah, it like becomes my body. a dependency. Right. Yeah. Um, which has, I'm, you know, still working out of, uh, to the point where it's just like the only thing that's kind of getting me on the right track now is I'm, I'm finally trying to just like, you know, approaching 30 is things start to hurt mm -hmm. just on a daily basis. And yeah. It's like, oh, w is this because I worked too hard and hurt myself or is it because I'm not moving and I'm atrophying right now? I think it's probably both, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, then uh, there's that slingshot effect of, of just like, it's like, oh, Okay, let me work out very hard, and and I'm seeing results, and I'm I'm happy with my body now. And then it's like, and then you stop for one day, and it's just migraines and back pains, and you you've torn micro tears in your ligaments and stuff like that, and that takes months to heal. So I had gotten to a point just two months ago where I couldn't go work out because I had pushed myself too hard, and which mirrors my acting career in the same way or auditions, um, not the career yet, but where it's like I would push so hard to be so good and to show and then I would get so worn out and have these micro tears in my soul because I was just like I've put everything into this and I'm doing it right and I'm, I'm, I'm portraying this character perfectly and they still don't want it and 80% of the time it has nothing to do with you it's how you look but I would come back and then I'd have to take months off of trying and if an audition came I would just I just couldn't I was so, it would just hurt to try. So then it would become these fucking phoned in or, or just surface level or no level auditions. Right. And now since I have a better kind of grasp, I feel like I'm, I'm moving in all directions with my life right now, just personally, that it's translating really well into auditions where it's, it's like these characters are more fleshed out. I always had difficulty in school connecting emotionally to characters. I've always had difficulty like one of my best, not, not one of, my best friend, Eric Todd Gugisberg, could cry watching uh, Teletubbies because he can control it. Yeah. And he's incredible. Yeah. He's also. Yeah. He used to do it like as a party trick. Oh, yeah. He'd just stand there and just be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd be like, I got a joke. You like jokes? Right. Um, but so I thought I wasn't good because I couldn't eke him out. Yeah. OK. So hearing all that. I just got like a flash of perspective on knowing you for as long as I have. Um, Cause you know, it's really easy. I feel like for us to get kind of in the vacuum of how we know people, sure. like how we know them now. Right. And it's like, um, kind of taking in who you've been before and who you are now mm -hmm. and how that's changing, especially in the, um, through the lens of the things that you just said. Sure. I used to tell people when I first met you, I'll say this first. I absolutely knew when I met you that knowing you for a long time would be fascinating <laughs> if it happened. I mean it. I knew it right away in a, in a non, uh, you know, I'm being very serious when I say that. I was um, in a strange way, you know, in a platonic friendly way, taken with you when I met you. I was like fascinated and drawn to you in a way that I couldn't really explain. Um, I just don't know. I don't even know what it is. I don't know what it was. I remember when I uh, had known you for not very long and maybe in and around the first mushroom trip. So that will be known each other like six months or something like that. I was articulating to my best friend, Brandon, uh, who was with us that day. He's like Gohan 
from mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like he's like a little kid in the beginning of the show who like doesn't realize that he has so much power just exploding out of him. Yeah. And he's just running, having fun from one thing to the next, not aware that he's emanating this like energy. Yeah. That it's just like, man, I, I mean, if you could just shove a fucking cable in this guy's ass, you could power a city. Like there's something going on in this dude. Yeah. Because Brandon's kind of like that too. Different, but similar. A lot of energy just like inside that doesn't that doesn't seem controlled now. Sure. And I knew freshman year of college, I'm like, that's going to change. I was like, this dude, that Gohan doesn't stay the little kid who doesn't know he's powerful. Mm-hmm. It just evolves. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can so much comment on how that character evolved and how you have. But the thing I was just thinking about when you were saying that was another like superhero kind of comparison, which is I think I think of it less like that now. And I think of you more like Scott Summers from the X-Men. The fucking energy yeah. that just shoots out of his face yeah. until he gets the fucking glasses that let him laser focus it. And then it's still devastatingly sure. powerful. Sure. But it's no longer – it's like all the X-Men, right? When they're found by Xavier, their power is fucking their life up. Right. Like, you know, Rogue's killing people and Scott's blowing people away and, mm-hmm. you know, Gene's tearing people apart. And it's like you're just a kid who's so powerful that needs to find the tools and the methods and the understanding and the right outlook to control it, hmm. not to limit it, but right, to, to focus it. it. Yeah. I still can't look at someone without sunglasses without them running away from me, though. So right. That's what I have in common. A hundred percent. No, so. you still shoot lasers out of your face <laughs> uncontrollably. Well, but here's the thing, man. No, I and mean, this is true. And I kind of, um, you know, I've I've had this thought about you in the last few years since because you know you went to New York uh, with we both did after mm-hmm. graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, I left. You stayed. I moved to L.A. Then you moved to L.A. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about it over the last few years, and I guess a little bit of me is like the thing that you're going through right now that you just described and coming out of this depression and Mm -hmm. trying to fill your life in a very rounded way. This is not coming from a place of judgment at all. It really isn't. But I was, as just an innocent, friendly bystander, a little surprised that it took as long as it did. I say that with so much love. Just because I kind of thought school might do that to you. But that goes to show how little I knew you. Because I Mm. think there were so many other things that had to happen at school first, like teaching you how to breathe and just be in the moment and have that stillness that I was like, that that should have to happen first. You know what I mean? And then there's so much that's happened in between now and school that I don't, you know, know about. We've not spent every moment together and we lived in different places for a long time. True. Um, But I, as someone who years and years ago was like this guy, like something special about this fucking dude. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, he's amazing to hear you anytime you're like, I've made personal progress. I care about that more than I do with most people. Like most people tell me like, um, I quit this or I started this. I'm like, good, probably. You probably fucking should. Yeah. You know, I can't believe you didn't. did it hurt. Okay, but with, yeah, but with, hurting. because I'm like, because I'm not inspired by their potential in the way that I am with you. And I, and I don't get it. Honestly, I don't get it. And I wish I could be 
more affectionate in the way I express this to you, but it almost is kind of like, I don't even know why. <laughs> I don't really, because I have other friends I spend more time with than I sure. do with you. But I still, when you get a part or when you get a thing or something good happens for you, I'm like, fuck yeah. That dude's on his way up somewhere. I don't know where the fuck it is, but it's like, and that's the other thing too. It's like, it's almost like when you have a really, a, a, a really attractive friend and in a platonic way, you're just like, if you would just cut your hair a little bit more, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your fucking life, but it's like, if you would just manicure and do a little bit of this, what seems to me to be simple, it would elevate blah, 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 blah. And with you, it's like, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, there's something in you that I'm like, man, if you just, I don't know what it is, but if you just X, Y, Z, it's going to be like, yeah. the world will not be able to fucking handle you. I could be totally misjudging that, but I think I, after all these years of knowing you and all of this uh, conversation that we just had about you, I still feel that way. I've not moved on that. I've not moved on like, baby, Steven's fucking nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good. Cause I wake up every morning. With that fear. And I worry that you do. As someone who loves you and knows you, I, I worry that you do think about that. And that's crazy to me. That's what I mean about, like, you have the friend who's, like, hot. And you're like, just be hot. I yeah. know you're hot. Yeah. And it's, like, that's a little different because that's, like, easy tweaks. And this is a profound part of, like, who you are. Mm. But it's, like, but you're doing it, man. It sounds like you're doing exactly what the fuck I'm talking about, which is, like, figuring out how to focus the crazy laser. Yeah, I'm very lucky that... It doesn't feel like something that's lucky in the moment, but I don't book anything between November and August. Mm -hmm. So August, September, and October, uh, things usually will come around. But and, and I always, you know, it comes every. It's like every March, I'll be talking to my mom, uh, and she'll just be like, "How are things?" And I'm like, "There's just no auditions right now." And she goes why are you surprised you've been this is five years straight of mm. this and she always has to remind me she's just like this is your time to take care of you this is your time right. to gain perspective like this is not the time for you to to worry about what people think about you or to right. worry about this this is you focusing on what you like get to the end of the day don't think about right. and learn to schedule around this thing that's become regular yeah you know, it's going to happen every year. Yes. Dude, that's what happens to me. I have two seasons normally. It's been fucked up, but two seasons of Dancing with the Stars, I can mm -hmm. usually rely on at six months of the year, but they're isolated. Sure. And there are two big gaps in between those, yeah. the summer and the winter, where I got to figure out what else to do. And I book on some other shows sometimes, but sometimes it's like, ugh. Mm -hmm. And the first couple times it happened, I was like, dude, you knew. <laughs> it is yeah. scheduled. Yeah. Like yeah. the idea that you're like, ah, oh, something else will just show up in the moment nope. and solve the problem. Nope. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting at home, just like you said, like, oh, am just I not good? Did I piss money. everybody off on yeah. the last season? So now they're not calling me nope. for other things or whatever. And it's like, it's never dude, that. No, it's you and your brain. Take that time and do your stupid political talk show. No one yeah. wants to watch. <laughs> Have Steven no on that, too. Hey, I'll, I'll keep coming back. I appreciate it. Cheers. Clink. Um, yeah, no, I, I I've it's taken a long time for me to get back to the point because I out of school I was very fortunate with my first year in New York um, 
I signed with the agency that I'm still with, BRS Gage, and I they are a family. And that's been my goal. I know it'll be slow and steady, and there are certain doors that maybe a, a boutique agency can't open that maybe a larger one could. But for me, this is always a long play game. And I'd rather have people in my corner that I love than people in my corner who don't haven't met my parents. You know, everyone on my teams has met a member of my family. Mm. Um, you know, it's 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 key to have people who are if you're fortunate enough so enthusiastic and so invested in you that there's no end in sight in your mind so and i know i'm very lucky i'm not saying that this is just like you can go out and find it like i lucked out so hardcore marco dante uh put all of his chips in my corner and i i will forever be in his debt even i was fortunate that this agency was bi-coastal, so when I moved out to L.A., they just picked up right where... The, and I was very afraid that I was like, I had this family. You know, I saw Mark once or twice a month, sometimes once or twice a week when I lived in New York. Um, I would just drop in, and we'd just talk. Uh, and then I moved out here, and I was very afraid that that wouldn't happen. Mm. And I was very scared that I'd just be dropped off the face of the earth. He still calls me every month. My agents out here are just, like, very invested in me personally. And I will never take that for granted because there it's it's rare and I'm fortunate and I uh, I remember the first thing I ever booked it was an uh, a three-liner on um, elementary the American Shakespeare in New or not Shakespeare uh, Sherlock Holmes in New York thing um, and they waited to tell me until it was right before I I came in for a lunch with one of my agents and they told me and I cried like a baby like a baby in their office and I, it was just like for me that was one of the high points of my career and I got paid 300 bucks for that now <laughs> if like a job comes through and it's like hey so it's three lines it's like you serious like come on and then I have to like check myself and be like you have come a long way in the past five years not as far as I thought coming out of school, but much further than I thought I'd be two years out of school. There's mm -hmm. this ebb and flow of you're just like, well, uh, I should be, I'm going to be in theater. And I've done a theater show since graduating. Right. And then I realized I was like, oh, okay, well then one of the greatest uh, bits of advice I got was I was working on a pilot in Georgia and there was an actor, an older actor that I was working with. And he said, don't ignore the road signs of your career, no matter where they're pointing or taking you at least give it some effort if you see something leaning you or guiding you towards a certain direction. Mm -hmm. So when I started to see road signs point to offbeat, slightly creepy characters, I was like, well, that's not what I want. Like I want to be, you know, the Ted Mosby. I want to be the this. I want to be, you know, like uh, these are the roles that I, the um, Jim Halpert's. And so all of a sudden I was like, well, why are you putting up a fight? Like you can always do that at some point. Like you were talking about Melissa McCarthy. Like, she's who she is now. But you can't. You look at everyone's career at the beginning of their career. They're not calling the shots. They're not themselves. Sometimes you're fortunate and it's like Aubrey Plaza and your first thing is your big thing. Because but, it's that close to you already. Right, exactly. But a lot of times, like I saw, um, who's the guy from Modern Family? Ty Burrell. Mm -hmm. I was rewatching. He's been in everything. Everything. There's so many Modern Family cast members in the early seasons of The West Wing, by the way. You'll mm -hmm. just be watching and just be like, oh. And it's not their characters that they are now. And they're of not course. as interesting. They're just Dude, John there. Krasinski played Jack Ryan. 
<laughs> what? And then he directed a horror movie. Yeah. Like, he's lots of people. Mm-hmm. And so are you. I appreciate that. And that's the we'll thing I think you, it sounds point. like you're articulating that you're figuring out, which is like yeah. s- the industry comes to you and said, well, you know, we don't have any Jim Halperts right now that we think you'd be right for. You want to try the serial killer thing? And you're like, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Fucking, of course. Why would you say no so to much that? Fun. It's been so much fun. The right. creepy roles, the offbeat roles. And then I finally just did a movie uh, in October of last year that's uh, coming out at some point called A Nice Girl Like You. And I finally got to play the like boyfriend in a relationship that's falling apart. And then they split up and, and he finds himself a little more. And it's not a main role. It's a very much a I, I go away for most of the movie. And then you uh, come back to my character. But um, so the movie's not about me. But being able to have a character that transitions from this one part of me to this other part of me. Yeah. Was and and it still is in that that um, kind of umbrella of the roles that I am aspiring and really love portraying uh, was really nice. And then right after that, I got cast in to play like an 18 year old which doesn't happen anymore for me uh who was just this like bright-eyed bushy-tailed kid who was a programmer on this fucking show and so like going from that where i was just like so thrilled every day and i am thrilled to do any job but like there's some that just activate you in a way that the call times don't matter how late you are doesn't matter you never run out of energy you're just like it's it's you'll die you know you'll rest when when the projects over because it just it's so invigorating right and i i was very grateful i had two very small roles in school um and i I was fortunate in the way that i didn't find them as daunting dauntingly small i found them as opportunities to be able to you're given a small box and now you can paint all the sides not a huge room and try and paint it as best you can. Mm-hmm. You've been given this opportunity to take a, a small object and perfect it. Yeah, for um, sure. Give it a, attention to detail. Yeah, which I wish people would replace that saying in, with the uh, the saying of no small roles, only small whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small paychecks. Small people. <laughs> um, Jeez, no, I... You see the video of that short guy in the bagel boss? No. <laughs> oh, my God. There's this guy that's like five feet tall and he goes off in a bagel boss because he's like, these these women are dating sites. They fucking. And he just starts a fight with everyone. Wow. And it's not that he's had enough. Yeah, it's not. And it's. Yeah. But going back to how just the world will wear on you. And it's like, it's not about the bagels. It's Mm -hmm. not about the ladies. It's about if you can go home and be okay with yourself. If you can't, you got to you got to start something. Do you You think that your perspective is something that you're actively trying to change? No, it was something that changed very drastically for me. What do you mean? Uh, the, you know, there are inciting incidents in your life that will m- guide you or pull you. I was fortunate that it pulled me out of a rut. Um, a lot of times, if you don't let something that happens to you, now I'm at a point where I can see that nothing happens to you. You know, things can happen around you. It's it's whether or not you let them really affect you. Mm. And Pete Holmes talks a lot in his book about um, seeing life as uh, moments in TV shows with a character. He's like, you should be so grateful to be able to watch an interesting character where this like, it's like, oh, shit, 
he he got fired from his job. This episode's going to be bananas, you know? Like how cool is it? And and so it, that's led me to make every day not actively, but just to keep my radar on for what makes today interesting. Yeah. What takes me outside of my normal like, hmm, okay. Like going to work. My work, uh, you know, I'm I'm a huge proponent for if you're working a survival job, um and you're an actor, I never shy away from it. I, I know, like, some people see it as, like, some people will act weird when talking about it, especially after you go to a four-year training program and you want to be an actor. I'm all for it. I mean, it just sucks. Like, it sucks that you, your actual professional advances can mainly rely on suits in a room somewhere. So oh, having yeah, a shitty sure. job. But, I mean, you're be anyone in America. Yeah doesn't matter what business you're in there's someone no. in a suit who exactly. knows nothing somewhere in a room who makes way more than you deciding everything yeah about deciding your if you are yeah. moving up or yeah you move back S- suck it up yeah that's everybody so i love i love survival job i hate that i have to have them but i honestly like i will spiral out so i had gotten to a point in, in uh, where i moved out here to do uh, an mtv show called sweet vicious in may of 2016 um, and it was an incredible show, just a great cast. The script was delightful. The storyline was beautiful. Um, didn't go for a second season, but made a great family out here. And then for a while, because acting jobs can pay well, and I enter into this hermetic mode after a job. So, cause I'm like, I don't want to get a survival job. So if I just don't move, I don't eat. And I don't go out. I do exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's like if I don't spend, then I won't have to do what I don't want to do. Yes. Yeah. So I had gotten to a point where that was par for the course for me. Right. For a long time. Yes. And I would just book things at the end of the year and then just coast out until like March, April, hopefully get some tax money back and then just like get angry. And so now I've gotten to this point where it's just like this survival job sucks. It's not what I want to do. But I find what I can that's positive about it on a day-to-day basis. Because if you don't, you're just you're going to end up through resenting your job. You're going to resent acting. You're going to resent whatever career you want to pursue. If you're resenting whatever job that you have, it's going to be like, oh, I I fucking hate this job. And it's like, oh well, I fucking hate that I don't have this job. So then you just become upset. Right. And it doesn't lead to motivation. You can you can. Find things that you like about your job and that will motivate you to pursue your career or do things or write something or, or find a way to produce something that you've written. Um, but I found, at least for myself, if I do hate my day-to-day that isn't acting, by the time I get to do an acting job or per, you know get on set, if it doesn't meet whatever expectation that I've held it up on a pedestal for, if there's a day and I go in and it's hot and they don't get to me until like 6 p.m., I'm pit. it starts to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, I'm so fortunate that I'm sitting here with a script in my hand. It's like you're aware of your entitlement, but you're trying to fight it as hard as you can. Yeah. Sure. And it's like healthy egos are the hardest balance to strike, but if you don't have one... If you don't feel entitled to anything, you'll never try to exactly. do stuff. Because it's the fact that you feel that you might deserve it that makes you give it a shot in the first place. Absolutely. 
what? then you go into these audition rooms and you're just like you're walking in just being like hi please instead right. of just being like hey we could do this yeah here's what i have right this is my thing um the guy who was in sherlock holmes on the bbc who was just in the second season of fleabag I forget the actor's name. He Cumberbatch? No, he played Moriarty. Have you watched uh, Fleabag? No. Okay, well, it was nice seeing you, bud. Right, 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 right. Um, he unlocked something recently that I, I just ha couldn't put a finger on, like, where I was headed. I was like, well, I know I'm not interested in portraying these roles like this. And I know I don't want to be uninteresting. So I would play this weird balance where I just wasn't doing anything. I would go in with these characters and just try and do it right. And it's like... The funny thing about L.A. is the casting call for one of the roles that I auditioned for was like long hair, mustache, glasses, white guy, tie, scraggly. And I was like, oh, my God, here Finally. we go. They have found me. And I show up and there's 15 other guys who look exactly they fit. And I was like, oh, that's right. It's not about doing the role right. It's bringing enough of an interesting perspective that is unique to you to it that they that sets you apart yeah which is you know and also seem like a cool chill dude to work with yeah because that's the thing is at the end of the day when you make these projects tv film whatever theater they're fucking work and they're mm -hmm. people going to work and hopefully they're employed and it's great but they're still going to work every day yeah and they want to go to work every day with people who are fun to work with yep. and if they're not doesn't matter and that's i think the one of the big mysteries is the idea that you can like be a dick and still get to the top and the truth is is like no you can't be a mm -hmm. dick until you're at the top mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's allowed <laughs> it is no it's totally allowed and people are like oh you can't no tom hanks and steve carell are famous for being nice because nobody is nice like that mm -hmm. everybody's nice like eh, as much as they have to be sure but when people are genuinely and authentically kind most of the time that sticks out because yeah. that is not how most people are yeah so bringing that to the table all the time uh and you're a very kind person i try that's that's uh you know i mean you could bust balls with the rest of them but you're still but you, that there's no ill intention there what was um what was your inciting incident and why did you get pulled out of the rut as opposed to going further back down? Um, it's a little personal um, and I won't get into it. Okay. But I will say it's, you were saying I'm a kind person. I, there was a lot, a long time that I was spending all of my kindness out, out in public. Mm. Um, and then those closest to me, got the shit end of the stick mm. where they came back to the spent Steven who right. was not nice and yeah. was not gentle or um, considerate a lot of the times. And it, especially it's the people closest to you that you feel the most comfortable being yourself. But then when you think yourself is crass or uh, sharp and kind of, and then you start to romanticize, or at least I did, romanticize the part of me where I was like, oh, you know, everybody says the, the funniest people are the saddest. And I was like, that's true. And I'm sad. So when I'm at home, I'm going to be sad. And I'm going to drink this. And I'm going to sit on the couch. And I'm going to play video games. And I'm not going to be happy when things change. And so then it just started to spread. And the things that I was saying to myself in my head got so loud that they started to come out of my mouth to the people closest to me. 
and I it was actually somebody had a they showed me a video once where I was tired at a party and the camera panned over and I looked like you know when Kanye West has the camera on him at like a basketball game mm. and he's like smiling and then it drops and you're just like who's that guy it was that moment and this was months later after I had kind of um, caught some fresh air and started to see the the brighter side of things and it was very apparent to me that like I, I will always take accountability for my actions and for the fact that things ne things never happened to me. I created a lot of the situations that I was in uh, and a lot of them were toxic uh, because I felt like, I was like, well, everyone sees me like this and everyone sees a nice guy and I post this and I say this and I smile and this looks great. And then I was just wildly unhappy with myself. Mm. And I was like, how can somebody be happy with me if I'm not happy with me? Uh, I put a lot of stock into friendships and relationships and, and conversations to the point where, like, I would answer the phone when my mom would call me. And I would just be upset already that I was talking to someone. Do you feel ever that, and I hate to cut you off, but I'm just so curious about this. Do you feel ever a kind of weight or burden to, and maybe this is what you're about to say, uh, just to communicating with people. Like when you have to talk to people, no matter who it is, <coughs> like whether it's Mark, one of your people, or whether it's your mom, or whether it's me or whomever, like is there a, a, a little bit of like a, let's take a deep breath because it's kind of like diving into the pool, like just mm -hmm. to have to, be yeah. with someone yeah i had gotten to a point where it was one of the jokes that i would say i would say a lot of things that i didn't mean um and one of the things that i would say was if i can get through a day without talking to someone that's a good day for me mm. which isn't true i love talking to people it's yeah. it's my favorite it, uh, it's mainly what i do at my job now and it's and i i relish it now but i had said all these things just to make it to to validate my disappointment mm -hmm. in having I, I felt like I had to talk to people right and I was like no stop putting on that character stop trying to think stop trying to make your life like blue valentine make it just like just live your own oh, fucking God. thing you watch all these movies and stuff and you see these stories and you go uh tortured soul man what a beautiful thing yeah. it's like no you know if that person if person who's actually like that sees it they'll fucking freak out because they see the, the mirror, mirror held up to them. When you're looking at something that isn't a mirror held up to you, like um, every time I watch the first Chris Pine Star Trek, mm -hmm. I leave and I want to buy a motorcycle. Right. And I let that fade because I know that I would die. And so, but that's, that's what I feel. So you watch a movie of this tortured soul and you go, oh, man, me too. Mm. And then three hours later, you realize you're not. Like, that's a story. They created this thing. And there's a reason why in these movies you don't see the end because these people don't have real endings. Your life doesn't ha you know, you're not going to follow the same script as this thing. And they get to call it whenever they want. They I applied for a job once uh, where I had to write a review mm -hmm. of two movies, one that I loved and one that I hated. And uh, I wrote the one I loved about my dinner with Andre. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were both movies I'd seen in the last six months. That wasn't a rule, but I created that for myself. I was like, I don't want to review some movie from my childhood that right. I'm like, this is my favorite movie. Let me talk. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's like recent movies I have fresh thoughts about that sure. I have feelings about. My Dinner with Andre I liked. 
Blue Valentine, I fucking did not like. <laughs> and I wrote this review that was like a page and a half mm-hmm. of tearing up this movie that I thought was just atrocious. I didn't think it was a badly made movie. I just didn't like the fact that someone wanted to tell that as a story. Yeah. Because it so upset me. And in a way, that makes it a good piece of art. But my boss hired me for that job Mm -hmm. and later said, I hired you in spite of the fact that you wrote a bad review of one of my all-time favorite (laughs) movies. And we eventually talked about it. And one of the things that he's – I think we both made good points. He said – I think it's one of the best honest representations of adult relationships that I've seen in film in a really long time. And I said, I love you and your husband, David, but fucking that's so sad to me. Mm. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure that that's not a reflection of your relationship with him. Sure. But like the reason I didn't like that movie is because the lesson of the movie to me felt like sometimes you can be a really fucking good dude and work really hard to try to, you know, just be authentic, be mm-hmm. who you really are mm-hmm. and let that all hang out. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's a pretty good guy. And then you know what? Fuck you. That's what you get. You get nothing. Yeah. She gets bored with you. That's what happens. Yeah. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, probably. But fuck, why yeah. are we watching this? Yeah. Someone why are we writing more down? stories about people who communicate better? You know? If we... <laughs> I understand fully why it's a movie, but it's like, sure. oh, man, sometimes the baby dies, right? And it's like, let's make that movie. It's like, no, let's not no, no, make no, that no, fucking no. movie. No, 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 We've got enough oh my baby God. death Go movies. write that as a book or something that someone can watch la- or read later. Like, well, oh, my God. Did you ever watch God. the show Togetherness on HBO? No. Ugh. It was one I'm my... usually pretty good at knowing things, but you've named like five or six things, and I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> I'm making them all up on the spot. <laughs> we have to, this is all fake content. Yeah. Uh, don't Google it. It was great. Won an Emmy. Um, no, I, I don't know if it won an Emmy. It got canceled after two or three seasons, and I think what it was was it just portrayed people working through things hmm. well with no like, oh, fuck, and then – he, he got pushed down the stairs and died. Right, you right. know, it was just like these no, are like real. No, like inexplicable drama. Right. No aliens. No nothing. It was just like, and then they were just like, huh, okay. I I haven't thoroughly enjoyed a show as much as that show mm. ever since. It's wonderful. I am bummed because it's it's kind of like, um, I don't know, like 50-50 is a great movie with, um, what was it, Seth Rogen and... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, the sure. The guy who gets cancer. And yes, there's an extreme incident, but this happened in this guy's life. And it shows difficult situations and people working through them together. You know, and there's like a light at the end of the tunnel, but the days are hard. And I think if we had just a little more, if it gave people the perspective of just like, hey, don't sit around watching so steeped in your own expectations of like, Oh, yeah, the news sucks right now. Oh, yeah, gas is expensive. Oh, yeah, food costs way too much and your job doesn't pay enough. It's like, yeah, those things suck, but, like, that walk to your work, how was that? Like, that that person who smiled or that attractive human being that you weren't creepy to but were able to appreciate how beautiful they were. Like, how wonderful was that today? It's so interesting to talk to you about that because I feel like one of the big things that I bumped up against in our studio was – there was such a romantic I don't I'm gonna say this wrong romanticization romanticization maybe sure uh, romanticizing things <clears throat> uh, specifically negativity like mm. one of the things that I dealt with in my 
drama studio was like everybody felt like the most fun thing we could do would be to complain and to talk shit about things and that is fun that's mm. the problem the yeah. problem is it's fun and it can be it's like any other destructive drug or behavior like oh, yeah. it's immediately gratifying oh yeah but in the long term it's so destructive and i always felt like i was lame for being optimistic about things oh yeah and like you know, when like Laura Henry didn't come back and everybody lost their fucking minds because they were like, well, this isn't the program I paid for. Right. And uh, this changed and blah, 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 blah. I couldn't help but be like, guys, we go to School of the Arts. It's the, one of the top programs in the country. And it not just because of Laura Henry. Like, right. yeah, she's a great teacher. But she hasn't even been here that long. Yeah. Like, and you never had a class with her to begin with. Exactly never, right. So it's like you don't even know what you're missing. But more importantly, it's like there is still a school here that we yeah. go to. And I don't know about you, but I already paid for the year. So I'm going to try to get everything I can yeah. out of it. And that was like, ugh. Well, you had you a know? Pr- you and had it's perspective. Like, what the fuck? I always thought Ray Huth, the oh, nicest person God, I love Ray. in Ray the world. Ray was one of my best buddies in, this, in the class he while was we were there. Haven't seen the him since he graduated. He, I thought Ray lacked perspective because I was cynical. And he could see the the silver lining on anything. So there was one time where I set out actively to be like, like legs were always broken and shit. Oh yeah, Ray, the opening night of our first third year show, his eye closes up. He just shows up, and one of his eyes has completely swollen shut. And we were like, "Fuck, dude, what?" And he's just like, "It's alright, man. Yeah, it doesn't it's just work my anymore. Eye. I don't know. <laughs> I guess tonight I'm just um." using one eye and then he'd just like leave for a, yeah a holiday break and come back and you'd be like what's that and he's like oh yeah i had to have surgery because my body was failing me and he's we dislocated were... his knee like 200 yeah. times or some shit yeah yeah, yeah. the only guy who walked you wonder up, why he, he has perspective he had his guts coming out of the tissue of his body he was pushing out and he walked up and he was like look at this i was like are you okay he's like no how crazy <laughs> is that how are you doing and i was like how am i do- you know who Why else you had a angry? great perspective was Alejandro, whose lung collapsed twice Dude, while he was in school. Jesus. <laughs> Dude, the more we talk about this, the more I'm just like, <sighs> remember that day when they like didn't have pizza at the cafe? Right, and it, like, exactly. ruined everything for me? Yeah. I wish I could have. Well, it's funny because we also started this story off and you're like, that's back when like, you know, you got your unlimited calf card. I'm like, we didn't all have this. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you had like you're like now i'm like 28 and i'm like when am i gonna eat and i'm like i remember that when i was 22 because <laughs> i was like i'm not allowed in the calf and uh i w- i was very fortunate i lived with someone who planned meals and was a good cook oh for sure so well, no we and we all had and people at school had it even better than you did like there's a full spectrum yeah there yes okay so this brings me to a wonderful point mm-hmm never in your life will there ever be a point where you can't look down and be like well it could be worse and you can't look up and go "Ugh, i wish i had that yeah i have friends you should do both all scattered uh, senses of success in this industry and each of them at every point are just like i'm grateful but then there will be a day where they're just like this fucking sucks yeah i'm like it sucks that sucks right your bottomless amount of your your endless roles that you get that you're this that that sucks and then they look at me and i i come home from work at like 10 and meet them at a party or something like how was today i was like oh it was crazy there was this guy who blah 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 did this blah 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 and they're like oh man you had an interesting day i had to go do these interviews that i didn't want to do and i was like in the back of my mind i'm like i would have fucking loved to do those interviews right but i won't know there'll be a day where i'm sitting doing an interview and i'll just be like (laughs) this fucking sucks 
Yeah. Well, they I'm say, not talking about this. No, no, <laughs> I know, I and, and it's okay. That's a, that was a cool way to do it. That was a it's very not, slick. It's not. Uh, it's not. No. Well, they say the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but it's also like, yeah, but the grass is also like shitty across the street. Yeah, it's, it's all a, grass. The, yeah, it's just a lot of different grass. Yeah, that's just how it goes. Like, you just gotta grind it up. Yeah, and try to make. And the fact that the grass is greener next door should not upset you that you don't have as green right. grass it should inspire you to let yes. you know how green your grass could be if you worked yes. a little harder or and even reach out and congratulate that person on their green grass let's not go crazy <laughs> let's not come on no i'm telling you talking about cheering on other people yes. steven pass yes. i it was so hard right out of school any guy any girl anyone auditioning for anything i was like okay what why right. am i not would they book that how do you feel when like sydney got broadway you know you just go huh <laughs> what you know right. it's like and yeah. it's like but that wasn't that was a woman's role dude yeah that was a woman's role you, you have, have none of that up for it you also can't play the cello steven like what are you why are you right. just like Mwah. and sydney <laughs> shepherd's a little stronger singer than you i would say there are days <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> i don't know i still got it then, yeah um, no that's a good point i take it back uh, no, but I finally got to, I was literally within the last year where I've finally been able to. And so I'm not saying it's like, snap out of it, sheeple, you can do this. It's like, this comes. No, it's fucking hard. Yes. It's and really so, hard. I, I'm very grateful that at this point in my life, I'm able to have adult conversations with people I don't know um, against their will. No, uh, but like just being able to approach people in a very positive way now. Right. And see their, like nothing, I take nothing personally. Somebody once told me, they were like, if somebody doesn't know you personally, why take something they say personally? Mm -hmm. If somebody who you know personally is putting you down, that's a reflection on them. That's mm -hmm. coming from them. And that's wh who I was for a very long time. And it was very toxic. And I, you know, I would go and just feel like I needed to, like, broadcast my thoughts out there because I couldn't sit with them myself. Mm -hmm. And now... I still have dark days. Like there was, last month was pretty rough and it was a full month. Like I was just like, come on, like, come on. But instead of being like, fuck, we're back here. I was able just to be like, call mom, mm -hmm. like call, meet with someone, get coffee, like go just wake up early. Yeah. Let me ask you about that. Cause I think that's very interesting. We don't have all that much time, but I, I, man, I find this fascinating. I just talked to jasmine about it quite a bit on on her episode mm -hmm. which is what so how long have you been in la three little over three years right about the same for me <clears throat> i got here a little bit longer before you you have had a lot of ups and downs in la since you got here fair mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so have i career personal all of that sure right the few times that you and I have hung out since you got here, mm -hmm. not that many, a few. Every time we leave it, you give me the impression that you had a great time, that it was fun, mm -hmm. and you usually express more so than other people I hang out with an enthusiasm to do it again. Like it was helpful and healthy, and you noticed that. Mm -hmm. I remember one time we went skateboarding together. Do you remember that? Yeah. That was yeah. like, we, and we didn't do anything else. No, we just went I down slowed to the up. We just like went around your neighborhood, which is pretty flat in Hollywood, yeah. and uh, and we just skateboarded together. And at the end, it was almost like we had gone. 
I can't think of any. I guess skateboarding is a fine example, but I was trying to think of something more juvenile than that. It was like we had gone to a swing set, and after we got off, you were like, wow, I mm-hmm. I guess I could have guessed this would be fun, but I had legitimately had a great time. Like, we went skateboarding, went back to your apartment, and I and you were like, man, that, that was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. we should do that again. I fully agreed with you in the moment and now. But it is so hard to hang out with you. It's so hard to text with you. It's so yeah, hard I'm to hang out with you. Responding. You are one of the people in my life that I care about so much. But you're so flaky. You're I, like a flaky dude. And I don't yeah. mean to say that if I make a plan with you, you bail. Because that's not really true. No. But if I don't make a time and place arrangement with you that is specific. <laughs> it won't happen. It won't happen. Yeah. And even if I... Even if I if I make a very specific like, hey, next week we should do this, but if I don't pick a time and a place and an exact thing and hold you to the date, I'm absolutely. You nailed it with this though. What do you mean? You were like, let's do it next week, and you've said that a lot. Yeah. And, and I've always been like, yeah. Well, yeah. and I try to leave it in other people's court to plan it around their own schedule. Right. So That's I think I was the one who that. went because I knew I had this Wednesday open, and mm-hmm. I've tried to do more things that I have been putting off right and so finally i was like yeah wednesday and you were like 11 i was like boom and then i woke up this morning and i, I was going to bed last night and Thinking I, I have to get up for that yeah and but i've been trying to but one of my dear friends phil ramos who's an incredible um filmmaker now when he needs to contact me will text me email me and send me a message on instagram because he just goes yeah i just got a better shot if i just cover all my bases well we're all i mean there are people that i'm really bad at getting back to as well so i'm gonna put the communication thing aside for a second Mm -hmm. because i feel like we all kind of do that but what is the disconnect between being like i don't want to spend any money i get hermetic when i you know Mm -hmm. i'm like i leave i don't want to leave my house i want to do and if i do anything but I also know about myself. This is me talking as both of us. Mm-hmm. I also know that if I don't make an effort to get outside and get some fucking vitamin D and and connect with another person, that I'll start to get more sad. You and I live close to each other. Mm-hmm. Skateboarding is free. <laughs> we both know it's fun, and yet it doesn't happen. I kind of blame both of us, but more so I blame you because I feel like <laughs> – no, I do because I feel like I text you from time you to do. time or DM you from time to time. Not was this the purpose of this whole interview was to come and blast me? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. But we may have talked about it more if you'd fucking hug out with me before that's today. True. That's so true. We could, have that's, aired, we could have aired this laundry. That's a little bit of why I do it. And also because I am legitimately interested in what your answer is because I think there are a lot of people like you. And I even have some moments where I kind of get like that with some people mm-hmm. where I feel like I keep pushing them off and I do really want to hang out with them, but it doesn't quite happen. I guess part of me is like, I hate to think I'm one of those people for you. No. And I don't feel like I am. You aren't. And I feel like there are more people like you and like Jasmine who are like, it's not that I don't want to see you. There's just something else going on in this. Either you're talking yourself out of it or you get too preoccupied or maybe it's everything. But I, I want to know what your answer is, maybe so that other people who behave the same way can feel cool about why and try to change it if they want to. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. For me, uh, it has a lot to do with the fact that I am um, audience minded mm-hmm. and one on one hangouts sometimes feel like i know 
what I conversationally or interacting with people can give off is worthy and entertaining for groups. So I love plethoras of people. Mm. I love hanging out with friend groups because it's when you sit down one on one and have a conversation, it's just, you know, it's coming back and forth. A lot of and focus it, on. Yes. You. you don't get a chance to kind of disappear. Right. Yeah. I've very much in the past. I'd say January was a new leaf. So I'm only, what, seven months into a new, very, very new, different chapter of my life. And in that time, I've taken a lot of effort to step forward one-on-one with individuals. I've seen you more since then. It's true. I mean, both times I booked you on my talk show. (laughs) But, but... Yeah. Yes. So I do think it it does come down a lot of times. Oh, we went and we went to do stand up together. We did. That was another thing. We did, which we'll do more of. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but I will say it does come down a lot of times to to um, convenience, and not to say it's inconvenient to hang out. You can say that. I want you to say stuff like that if that's how you feel. It's not. It's it's the fact that like, if I'm gonna go somewhere, right? Let's get people let's get a lot of like this let's make this interesting not Mm. to say it would not be interesting but there's a higher risk of it not of like a silence or a conversation i don't want or me regretting if i'm hanging out with one person yep and i get to a point where i'm like i'm not in the right place to be with this person today Mm -hmm. uh you can't bail on one person Right, but you can bail on a group of people because they group. have each other. Or you can move around the group. You can you can put someone in between your path of that person and you, and you right. can let them talk to them. Yeah. So you can still enjoy your time and feel like you're getting the most out of your day while not necessarily having to deal with a facet of the group or a conversation that you kind of don't want. I fucking love that that's your answer. <laughs> Dude, I'm so, I'm so excited that that's your answer because, A, it gives me an answer, and it's not some weird beat-around-the-bush bullshit thing of, like, oh, well, I tried to, which I didn't want to hear. I knew you wouldn't give me. And it explains it in a way that doesn't hurt my feelings at all, which is not something I needed, but I'm glad that I got because uh, that is directly incompatible with how I think. Mm. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I 100% and if I'm like I was like man if I was like that I would be that way too I am the exact opposite Hmm. I don't like my attention being split I don't want to have to focus on a shitload of different people I do like it when there's like three or four maybe sure and I can kind of but is I don't like feeling like I have to fight for people's attention Ah. and I don't like especially as a comedian I don't want to feel like oh look I get insecure that people are like, oh, there's Rob trying to be funny and command the room Mm -hmm. and he's going to try to take over every conversation and never shut the fuck up. And like, (laughs) I can manage making sure you talk and that I don't talk too much. Sure. That I shut the fuck up and I hear from you because I can register in my mind how long have I been talking? How much has he been talking? Right. Let me make sure I'm not taking over. Mm Mm-hmm. When there's like six people, I feel like I have to pay attention to all them and yeah. be like, oh, man, you know what? These two personalities over here, maybe I'm one of them, maybe I'm not, are so much that this other person who seems like they want to engage but doesn't quite have the chutzpah to get in right. and interrupt and get in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. 
I feel now responsible for being like, well, you feel like you look like you were going to say something. What are you going to say? Mm-hmm. And I have to manage it now. It's that teacher part of me where I feel like the class isn't all engaged. So I have to start micromanaging that like it's my right. fucking job when it isn't and right. probably shouldn't even be thinking about it. But there's just more stuff. Well, and the other the thing shouldn't, is shouldn't have that a group, Keep a group mind. of people want to lead, want to go somewhere. And I like to hang out in people's houses. I don't like to go to bars and shit. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm. I that's also I keep it very uh, close to my neighborhood a right. lot of times. I, just because. I mean, dude, I couldn't get much closer to your neighborhood, but I understand your point. That's true. I mean, Andrew Hollander. Yeah. Just moved a four-minute walk from my front door, and oh, my work is so a that's three-minute walk from with. my front door. Got it. It's not a competition. Right. But, but I'm losing. He's <laughs> halfway down the track when the gun fires. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say, like, just for you, that. That should I, shouldn't I of like clocking, um, wanting to make sure some people are heard or that a conversation is is seen to its end. Uh, I've become hyper aware of individuals who see a conversation going and check out. Now, the best part about you is that you don't check out. You invest and see the potential of a conversation. If I, if I start to check out, I want to leave. Right, exactly. Immediately. So, I don't want to be somewhere where I'm not engaged. So I could see you getting frustrated when somebody would derail possibly a conversation that you're like, no, 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 but like bring that back. We had such a good thing. like that. A little bit. Sometimes. And like, I'm not saying that person you're talking to. I'm talking about another person coming up and just sw- side swiping their conversation out of the way. Yeah, a little bit. I, I don't like that. And then also a thing that happens to me is like. I mean, you know, my interests are my interests, and I don't share some things some that of a lot of people want to talk about. Yeah, there's and frowned that. upon in much of Western culture. That's a really good point. <laughs> um, and but but there, like the other night, I went out to a bar on the West Side to meet more than two people. Whoa! Oh my God! Call the papers! Oh my God! It was people from a show that I worked on in June who are really fucking cool people. I also need a job right now, so right. I was like, you know, let's check in with these folks. Sure. But I legit like the guys, and it was only going to be like five of us max. Ended up being three and then four for a little bit. Okay. Um, I had a fine time. But at one point, they're like, oh, my God, did you hear about who got traded to the Clippers? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. And I got to be honest, I did the thing that I hate when I see people do, but I didn't know what else to do. I just got out my phone. I started digging through. No, no, of course not. I started looking through my own shit, Instagram, whatever, because I checked out of the conversation. I didn't want to leave. I mean, I wanted to leave because part of me was like, I'm no longer interested in this, so I want to not be here. Sure. And I'm at a bar, which I don't really like. So now all of a sudden the stuff, the reasons to go are stacking up. And at one point a guy goes, you don't really follow sports, do you? And I was like, I don't. I was like, I was like, the only sport that I follow is American politics. That's the only one. I don't know anything about basketball. I don't know anything about football. Unless that will go like, down as one of the most hipster things you could ever say. For sure. Yeah, I'm fine not with it. Not putting it down. But no, that is uh, for sure. Je- definitely like yeah. that's on a t-shirt being sold in Silver Lake right oh, now. Oh, yeah. And there's people uh, in my own family who are like, <laughs> fucking of course. And that's why we don't like you. Um, which I totally get. But I was talking to my my boss who was one of the people at this table mm-hmm. weeks ago at work about it and i was like he was like that's actually a really good comparison he was like it's as if you're a fan of like curling 
You know what I mean? It's not a very popular sport that most people know a lot of ins and outs. They're sure. aware it exists. Maybe they know a team or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, most people don't give a fuck. Yeah, they don't know the names. But you of the know people. like all the stuff. So if someone were to know things about that, you could talk about it. I'm like, yeah, Eric Swalwell just dropped out. It's pretty crazy. Uh, can't believe he was the first one. You know what I mean? Like I was, I could talk about it all day. Like you know, I you I, could point to a board of eighteen men. Uh-huh. You could point to a board of two guys, and I wouldn't be able with full confidence to be For like sure. that's him. And you shouldn't have to, because first of all, he doesn't represent you, and he's not going to be the president. So why the fuck do you need to know who he is? Oh, I mean, but for me. I feel the exact same way about who the point guard is for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Like, I, man, did you feel the hesitancy in me choosing the phrase point guard? Because I wasn't totally <laughs> sure that that was a basketball position. Yeah, the quarterback on the Clippers. Oh, man, I was really, so I was like, point guard? That sounds like a thing that's in basketball. LA Kings. <laughs> the running back of the LA Kings. Oh, man, went to the Dodger game the other day. I really did, and I had a good time. I had a really good time, and then I got super pissed because uh, the Dodgers were behind San Diego. Uh-huh. They loaded the bases and then hit, <laughs> struck him, struck out fully. That's the most disappointing Struck feeling. out fully and just yeah. walked them all back into the dugout yep. and lost the game. Yeah. And I was like, why do people do this? I was like, oh, this is what it was like for like when I was at, uh, you know, feeling on the 2016 convention and i was a bernie fan yeah i was like we almost had it we just walked it was all there everybody just walks home everyone just fucking walk home sad yeah and just as a comparison they didn't ruin the elections as a lot of people think though right no (laughs) it's so funny because it's posted out there and it's obviously trolls but when everyone was just like yeah all the bernie supporters like they were just like bernie's not the nomination and they were just like I'm out of here! <laughs> Fucking vote for Trump! Nothing. No, like, there were Very people few upset. People. Sure, somebody did. Yeah. But somebody spit in the face of a cat today. Not everybody did it. Right. And the bigger argument uh, overall about that, and, and I say this all the time, is like, when the Democrats were faced with the least popular candidate mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. as our opponent. They're like, we nominated Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. His approval is in like the late uh, upper 30s. Sure. He won the election and it topped out at like 42%. <laughs> Guy's not popular. I mean, no. some people really like him, but there's not that many people overall. Right. We were like, oh, okay. All right. You're going to pick the least popular guy ever? How about the second least popular <laughs> candidate ever? Like, I bet we can uh, outdo you. And even though our candidate is not as unpopular as yours, we're still going to lose. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm so it's grateful. More, pointly, it's more, uh, it's more about the 100 million people that didn't vote at all. It's true. I know. I mean, here's we fight the all the time about trying to take people from the other side. It's like, how are we going to get the Trump people to vote for whomever, right. Biden or whatever, Bernie, right. or whatever? It's like fucking no. How about we have candidates that actually inspire people to vote? Yeah, I mean, the weird thing now, I, I'm a diehard. I love Bernie Sanders. Sure. Don't know if I would vote for him for president. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. I think he would make an incredible vice president. Sure. Um, because I think as far as foreign policies go, he's a little, he, he focuses on the American people more than m- all, uh, I would say most people in politics do. Right. So he ha- his heart is set. I think he could do so much as a vice president. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a Warren Sanders ticket. 
Sure, yeah, I got some Native American blood in uh, the White House. Not Is very that, much, oh. but yeah, a little bit. <laughs> enough to matter, I guess, no, to our not current really. president. <laughs> not enough. Sadly, not enough. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I have a conversation with my dad all the time where he was a huge Obama supporter, and as was I, and he's he loved Bernie in the for the fact that Democrats have been able to rally behind a specific point, which were his points that he ran on in 2016. Mm -hmm. And now approaching 2020, most of the points that all Democrats are unifying under were Bernie's points that he's made. Yeah. And so now the shit throwing is happening, but it's all kind of it's it's like, well, you didn't think this. And it's like, sure, track records are important or whatever. Right. But we all want potential. Mm -hmm. and we need somebody who's strong and and uh, thinks about kind of because what we've lost in American politics a bit <clears throat> is humanity. Uh, and, you know, that's very apparent on the southern border right now. Like, it's just so sad um, that these poor kids. I mean, it's just children and they shouldn't be pawns like this is just yeah it's a humanitarian crisis yeah and everybody this is a huge thing it's sounds trite and stupid to say but like you get every day once and you're bummed when your order comes late from grubhub imagine these kids not knowing when they'll be on a real bed mm -hmm. this is their child or maybe ever see their family again or ever see light again you yeah, know like up. people get sick people yeah. die easily you know, so I don't know. I uh, I just see a lot of people in my life right now, not people I know, but people outside. You just open your eyes and you see people who are just disappointed. And I'm not saying lower your expectations, but I'll say every day that I wake up and I go, okay, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. I'm rarely disappointed. Yeah. Because I just get to experience the day. And you, you feel like you spent a really long time not thinking about things that way. Oh, yeah. I was so happy that I had set my alarm last night not thinking about this interview and then being able to wake up this morning and be like, Oh yeah, that's right. L let's see. Cause if I had thought about it, I would have been tossing and turning and being like, make up this antidote, bring this up, be entertaining. And it's like, no, just if everybody was just themselves for a little bit, we would treat each other more like humans. Right. Because if you're putting on a persona of like, this is me, I'm cool. And I'm this people are going to go fuck that. Cause fuck you. And it's like, no, but you're not yelling at me. You're yelling at this shield I've put up. Exactly. But now, because I think that's me, I'm taking it personally. And now I'm hurt when all it was was fucking words. Mm -hmm. And you just said something that you probably don't even believe right. at me. And now I believed it. And you don't know me. And so I know me. I know me more than anybody else. So if I take it personally, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you when you say that wasn't great. Or right. that I'm a piece of shit. Or that I don't care. When I know I care. I had yeah. somebody come at me five, six months ago in a message just being like, you don't know what love is and you never will. Uh, and this is a person that I've not really talked to in the past five or six years. And your mom, Yeah, no, I talk to my <laughs> mom every day, but I was overcome with this sense of calm as soon as I read that. Cause I started to take things personally. And then I heard, you don't know what love is. And I went, I do, you don't know me. So like, I'm not going to be pretentious and I'm just going to give a whole fuck ton of love back and understanding because the minute that you go, Hey, what? Walls go up and nobody talks to each other. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. And I think that one of the things that you've hit on that's so important is that awareness of yourself 
but also like trying to balance that with the way people come at you so sure that they know who you are. Yeah. It's tough too, because like you said, when your friend showed you the video of you behaving mm-hmm. in a way that really surprised you. Mm-hmm. So it's both. So it's like, you know yourself better than anybody, but also people can show you who you've been and you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm not a hundred percent. It's tough. I think both those things are true. I don't think one negates oh, the other. I think it's like you do still know yourself better than anyone, but you didn't know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You didn't know that about you. And just be open. Be open to be surprised by yourself on a daily basis. Be open to how happy something can make you feel. Don't judge it. That's something we've talked about on the show before, which is like, do you allow yourself to evolve in what brings you joy? Mm. Or are you so dead set that X, Y, Z, A, B, C, one, two, three, these are the things that make mm-hmm. me happy. And when I'm not getting them, I'm sad because I say so. It's yeah. like, you want you just change it. Yeah. What really, what really does make you happy? Like, did I think being a reality TV producer would bring me joy? No, I did not think that. I thought it would be a way to pay my bills. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a really fun job. Like it's, and I'm well trained for it. I'm well suited for it. It's a good place for me in American society. Yeah. In the world of our economy, like, what should I be doing to contribute? That's a good place for me it's not a bit you know an oil well would be a a bad place for me to work (laughs) wouldn't know how it works i'd be very upset it would be bad picturing it though don't just like morris could you and you're just like like joe dirt please no you know what i mean when he gets that job for two days on the oil well it's like i'm new i don't know what to do (laughs) i could see you in like like a comedic version of chernobyl just oh, being like, for sure. Whoa. That needs to be made. Whoa. <laughs> you guys, these rocks hurt. It's called yikes. <laughs> yeah. um, it's called three, two, one. <laughs> whoops. Ooh, <boy. laughs> and there's a catchphrase where you go, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh Rob, huh? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, before we wrap this up, I'm going to give you some wild lines just if you need editing. So hold on just one second. I need some. Sure. Go ahead. Anyways, like I was saying before, I don't agree with you, but (laughs) it's not like that. Uh, But I understand how you could see it that way. Anyways, so there you go. That should make it a little easier. Can I make one request? (laughs) Yeah. Can you give me one, uh, where do you get (laughs) off? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it'll just be a moment of silence. Here we go. Oh, Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you would think that way. Who the fuck do you think you are, man? Anyways, anyways, I know you've got issues. We've all got them. Uh, I love you. Uh, but yeah, seriously, I... And then you can splice that into whatever. Yeah. Maybe again, just what's on the page. And let's oh, not try to write our own you're version. You're right, you're of right. Here <laughs> we don't go. Um, <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's get take two of this. Um, thank you so much for making the time and the effort. Always. I appreciate not it. always, but we should do this. No, again. not always, but sometimes. <laughs> and this is one of those times. And I appreciate it. A 24 hour podcast stream of just us. We do cover a lot of ground. No, we did a good job, I think. Um, and we still didn't tell the mushroom story. So you'll have to come back and uh, yeah, maybe we, we can get Wiley on it. That would be great. And all three of us can talk. I'll bring some of the video clips that I have. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Yeah. Did you say something about you wanted to do this show with someone else? Who was it? <laughs> Dylan Arnold. Dylan, yeah. You got to get him on here by yourself first, though. I'm gonna. He's finishing up a show in past. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've been talking to him about it. He's supposed to come in like next week, I think. Great. Um, 
and uh, but yeah, after we get him on, we'll see we'll see how his audition goes, and okay. then we'll yeah. we'll get you both. On. Yeah, it's a very rigorous audition to get on here. There were a bunch of episodes in the beginning of this show when I used to close. I was saying, I apologize to Stephen Friedrich. We <laughs> ran out of time. I wasn't able to get to you. Uh, but it, fuck, we did. It we only finally took like did five it. years. You know, it was. I just needed some good microphones, and you got them. I had the same ones, but thank you. Please don't do this to me right now. All right. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was great why to would see you, you but... Why would you whisper to me into the microphone? Like, yeah, we it's don't only have for me. On. We don't have headphones <laughs> on or anything. The only people going to hear that better okay. are the listeners. Uh, he's not going to hear this right like, now. Like, I can't hear but, what you're saying um, right now. Here's the thing. is like Rob's it's got a really great thing going, and uh, you guys need to support him just a little more. Right. I'm going to listen to it later. I know. I know. You All can right. edit it out. Okay. Don't edit it out. All right. Shake my hand. All right. Bye, buddy. Bye. So I've been reading Stephen Friedrich is a 2013 graduate of the School of Drama. At the Elephants is produced, hosted, and edited by Rob Morris in Silver Lake, California. 